0: Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and (laughs) AirPod
1: Show number 30, buddy. Uh Aha, rocking it. Hello, Cannabis World. Welcome back to another uh, episode of the Cannabis Agenda. We're pretty stoked. This is uh, episode number 30, as my co-host just stated. Woohoo! Yeah, Mr. Pot Green. Hey, what do you got on the agenda? Do you bring us some good stuff today?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be talking a little bit about... We're going to be talking about California and big alcohol and how they're spending money to defeat Prop 19. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about the divisive... uh, uh opinions on uh, marijuana legalization um, especially throughout the the reform movement um, and uh yeah um we are gonna i'm going to clarify a few things uh we were talking about uh in regards to mark Emery last weekend and then this uh, really kind of crappy story from montana um another victim of uh marijuana prohibition um, and this time uh potentially by suicide uh, it uh involves cops and you know informants and all that crazy police nonsense. So with marijuana and, um, and then, uh, we're going to, we're going to, gonna we're going gonna, to we're gonna talk with Jay, I believe. Right. We're going to talk with Jay, um, Hoffner oh, from Wisconsin yeah. later. Hey, we'll, we'll check in with him. Yeah. And I got a story uh, about a large scale, um, grow busted in uh, Wisconsin national forest about a month ago. Um, oh. yeah. What about you? What do you got on the agenda today? I
1: think i got some interesting stuff to bring to the table. Uh, We're going to talk about California update. In our California update today, I was going to mention something about some unions that are going on. I know we had some listeners uh, writing in asking about unions in the past. This is a big deal, this one. So that should be interesting. Um, Talk about in the national spotlight. We've got uh, um, back-to-back, I guess you would say, articles um, from two of our favorite, Paul Armitano and uh, Steve Fox, two of the authors of that great book. Um, about cannabis and how come it's, uh, why are they driving us to drink? What's the, what's the title? If marijuana is safer, then why are they driving us to drink? I don't know. That's a great question. And these guys post it, uh, pretty well. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Mark Emery. You said we're going to go down into Arizona and discuss a little bit about what they got on the, on the front burner. Um, legal pot applications have, have flooded one individual state we've been discussing recently. And uh, we're going to uh, talk about some uh, research studies, um, uh, just pretty much a brief overview. But we got referred to this, or I got referred to this uh, story from a listener. So it should, uh, should uh, prove out to be a pretty decent show this time. I'm stoked,
0: man. How do you feel? Feel good. I feel good. How are you? How are you, yeah. Cox? I'm doing great. Thirty's a great number. I'm. It is. Yeah. It's something to celebrate. Yeah. I think. I'm I thirty.
2: I'm thirty. The show's now thirty shows old. That's it works out <laughs> good.
0: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All
3: there
0: right. Go. Yeah. So got, oh uh, oh, uh, we can't forget about uh, uh, Mr. Chris Pezza, who we also have uh, an interview with.
2: Oh, that's oh, right. That's right. The Colorado. One We're gonna get yeah. some. Uh, Updates on what's going on in Colorado and more of an overview of the overall history of uh,
0: their medical scene there. Right, as we promised long ago. Nice, uh, yes, isn't dear.
2: Chris? Is
1: is he the SSDP guy?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's. Oh, uh awesome. he's, He started a couple chapters or been involved in the founding of a couple chapters of uh, SSDP there in Colorado.
1: Cool. Is he calling in? Are we calling in?
0: Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get a hold of him later in the show.
1: Oh, that's something to look Lee. forward to too. See, I'm getting surprised sure. here too. It's great. <laughs>
2: So, uh, yeah, this is show number 30. You guys can find us uh, at our website, um, canvasagenda.com. Email us anytime with any thoughts, questions, whatever. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, Info at canvasagenda.com. We'd also love to hear from you, 707-654-CANN. If you're interested in talking briefly on the air, let us know. We can arrange that. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe on iTunes, and please rate us on iTunes. We could use some some ratings and uh mm-hmm. just some overall feedback on what's going on out there um we appreciate all the emails we do get we got some this week didn't we jamie
1: we did we did um did uh did you read the one from jesse we get those were A pretty positive one. I can read the whole thing. It's really short. This is from Jesse. He said, I don't know if you guys have seen this before, but it's a pretty interesting article I found on the net. And this is the article that we put in the research bin. We'll be discussing briefly a little bit later in the show. Um, He goes on to say, Just thought that you guys would like to see this. And I would like to say that I really love the show. I think you guys are doing a great job. I feel that anyone who has an open mind about cannabis and its legalization will learn something from your show. And I feel that your show could change the minds of many people who are against cannabis legalization. Because you present information in a very well informed manner. So, anyways, enjoy the article and keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for the positive comments. We sure appreciate it. I don't ever get sick of hearing positive stuff, you know. But you know, you guys don't be afraid to send us some constructive criticism whenever you feel like it as well. We always uh, enjoy all the emails we get from people. Are there any other emails that you know of that we got this week?
2: I think I think we got some. From, I think we got some from Staley. It's uh... yeah,
1: we did. We did indeed.
2: What did he yeah, have to say? Have, let's see, Staley. Um, okay, oh, he was saying that. Um, well, he sent us that Heritage Foundation article that you read that you just thought was <laughs> Gosh, crazy. Yeah, we'll talk
1: about that briefly too. Ooh, we'll talk dumbest. about that today.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hands, and he also, hands down. He also sent us something else saying that he seems. It seems uh, in Tacoma because he came on uh, a couple shows ago and talked about the medical situation in Tacoma mm-hmm. and the the raids that had been happening up there. Uh, and he said that that seems like it's kind of ended and that it's to uh, Tacoma area is uh, starting to lean back, uh patient friendly again, which uh, is a good thing. So um, awesome. None, none too soon. I would imagine. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. we appreciate all the emails, all the calls we get. Um, please, please keep sending them. Uh, I wanted to reiterate for everybody what our policy is. If you, um, don't tell us if if you don't mention you don't want us to say your name. We're going to say your first name uh, in an email or a call. And um, if you tell us you do not want us to say uh, your your name at all, um, just let us know, and we we will uh, respectfully uh, keep your name out of uh, email. But we do share emails on the show, and we we appreciate the interaction with um, with our listeners. So uh, let's let's keep this dialogue rolling.
3: Rolling. Keep the show Absolutely. rolling
2: too, man. Let's keep the show <laughs> rolling. What's going on? So we are going to talk with Jay, right? We're going to talk with him later, uh, but we still yeah. want people to donate to him, right? That's what we, we've been pushing for weeks. So if you guys have been listening to those of That's you who have, who have donated, we really appreciate it. Jay Selthoffner is running for a state assembly um, position in the Wisconsin state state legislature, right? Yeah. Yep. That's
1: right. Forty-first district of Wisconsin in uh, state state assembly is what they call it there. The Congress there in, uh in uh, Wisconsin state. So uh, yeah, we're behind him. We're we're about- impressed with this guy. Everybody should keep their eyes on Jay.
2: Yeah, and if you're behind him and you think it's cool, he's running on a cannabis agenda. So um, he's uh, pushing for all things marijuana-related to uh, to have policy changes and promoting how that can help their area up there. If you're into what he's doing, please send him uh, a donation. You can uh, you can link to him through CannabisAgenda.com, or you can go to JSelt.com. S-E-L-T Hofner, hofne com, And uh, you can donate that way. Um, he's looking for a minimum donation of $4.20, just a cup of coffee, right? If you can do it, um, mm-hmm. please help him out, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this it's all
1: about communication in the media, you know, it costs money.
2: Does does um, sure. hopefully, hope, hopefully we'll we we'll get a, uh, we'll get a I'm excited to get a little update on what's going on there Hey we got some uh, I found a found a new site I want to talk about Empire Expo empiremedia.net. dot um, net They run some expos uh, They're doing one in LA December 11th and 12th of this year um, And then they've got one in Seattle March 4th through 6th and um one in denver august 5th and 7th of next year uh you should check them out they've kind of got like a semi like community-based thing going on there uh might be worth your time to create an account and see if you use it and see if it's got any worth to you and and uh please let us know how it works out for you i I, i've created an account there i believe you too have you have also right jamie
1: I have, sir, on your suggestion. So this better be good, man.
2: <laughs> well, we we tried it. We tried it with that. What that? We we tried that bud book experiment a while back, and I I haven't yeah. really gotten any sort of feedback. Anything going on? Nobody yeah, asked man. friends yeah. or anything. It's kind of just seems. No, I thought catchy. that's kind
1: of cool, but yeah, it's kind of I don't know faded out a little bit. I don't know what's going it, on with that.
2: Yeah. So hopefully uh, this one's uh, got some more used to it. But uh, let us know what you guys think. Um, we'll find out. Hey, we'll
1: be the guinea pigs.
2: What did you find out about Global Cannabis March? I was uh, asking about this the other day, and uh, I know you looked into it a little bit. What did you find out about it?
1: Yeah, you were asking me what that what that was, a little more information about it. It's, called, it's known as the Global Marijuana March, or GMM. But you know, if you don't, if you don't, that doesn't sound familiar to you, you might know it by the Million Marijuana March, which actually is the one that I remember it being by. It started in 1999. I believe the organization, it was Dana Beal is the gentleman's name and his organization Cures Not Wars. Um, CuresNotWars.org website, I think is still up and going. Um, And uh it's it's just absolutely amazing how many people showed up. I was at the first, very first one. I was in Chicago, Illinois, and you know we we had our we had our agenda then as well, and we knew what we wanted to do. We went out and we were doing it. We were just taking care of business pretty much. But right in the midst of it all, we're walking down a street, a really big downtown Chicago street, in in literally in downtown downtown Chicago, and it dawned on me, oh my gosh. I could never do – you never would typically do that. I mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of people walking down the middle of the street in Chicago screaming, free the weed, throw away your Prozac, all this this stuff. And there were people (laughs) up and down the buildings on each side of the street at the windows. They were just everywhere coming through the windows and whistling and yelling and clapping, and it was just – It was really an amazing experience. But, you know, the real important factor is that the the unity that occurs when when around, I think, 600 different cities worldwide uh, have signed up since 1999. So when hundreds of cities globally, literally globally, are coming out in force and standing up for this, it's just – it's just an amazing thing. I think it's a great idea. And uh there, there's local names that pop up for each one, like locally. They call it, I don't know. There's some examples World Cannabis Day, Cannabis Liberation Day, Global Space Odyssey. I don't know who thought that one up. Ganja Day, J Day. I've heard that one used a lot, J Day. And then uh Million Blunts March, which is probably <laughs> my in in my opinion, about the worst name possible. But you know, that's just that's just my blunt bias. But uh yeah. So anyway, it's uh, the Global Marijuana March, or the Million Marijuana March, as I called it. It's a celebration embracing cannabis culture as a personal lifestyle choice. Um, it's, a, it's a show of faith and unity amongst cannabis uh, consumers and uh, enthusiasts that are walking the streets vocally and visibly and shouting out, we're, we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. <laughs> Stop treating me like a criminal. And uh, I don't know. It's it's making an impact. I've noticed since this uh, original one in '99, several years where there's been some pretty significant coverage on the news. So when, uh, when do
2: these come up? Is this a March or spring? Yeah, it happens in event? March. It's
1: kind of weird because it, it fluctuates somewhere between March 1st and March 5th. I think it was March 5th was the day when we started ours, if I'm not wrong. It could have been the first. I thought it was the fifth. But anyway, it's 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 changed in between those days. So it's always the same day, you know, globally, whichever day that ends up being on. But yeah, it's the first week of March. I think it's I think technically they say it's the first Saturday in March. So that's okay. why the difference in the dates. But uh yep. So look for that. Look for the million marijuana march. Go online and search for it if you're interested in taking part of that. It's a fantastic time. It's it's very functional and, and purposeful. Um, it does make a serious difference. It gets a lot of attention out there. And you know, after all that important taking care of business stuff is out of the way, it's really just a heck of a good time. It's a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it.
2: Meet a lot of good people. That's how all these events are. You go and you know, network with people that 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 you have a lot uh, that you have a lot of things in common with, and that have a common goal. It's always a always a a great thing um and speaking of that the the boston freedom rally just happened last weekend in boston um none of us got to make it i would love to get to boston someday um if any of you guys went let's know how it was love to hear that
1: was the that was the 21st annual boston freedom rally it was sponsored by mass mass can is really awesome that's this that's their state's chapter of the uh national organization for the reform of marijuana laws normal of course um and it was, it was a little, people were a little tentative about how it was going to come out. Cause I think there was some, uh, pretty, uh, big time arrests that have happened before, but, uh, this time it went a lot better. There was only, uh, 34 civil citations were issued and two people were arrested with, uh, for possession with intent to distribute class D marijuana. Um, and that's coming from police spokesman, Eddie Crispin, but otherwise there were no other reported crimes and the rally was very orderly and it went well. And, uh, Frank Capone of Medford, he's a member of MassCAN's board of directors, said the crowds at the rally were very diverse, which is a great thing. And he said this, I quote him. He said, there are business people here today, and there are moms and dads. Said Capone 25, who was registering people to vote, they're all saying they don't want to be called criminals anymore. Deja vu. I just just talked about that in the Millie Marijuana March.
2: Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's uh that's that's Great what time. we want you know that's what that's what we're we're speaking of not being called criminals more anymore maybe that's what we should uh we should move on to california here um as everyone knows in california uh in jeez a little less than six weeks we'll be voting on prop 19 and wow. uh prop 19 will legalize um marijuana possession up to an ounce and will create a system where uh It can be regulated within the state of California. Um, I think we got a clip about um, the alcohol lobby and how they're spending money on uh, against uh, to defeat Prop 19. Uh, You got that ready, Matt?
0: Yeah, I got it right here.
4: What if one day you could legally choose this bud or this one?
3: I don't know how it would affect it, really.
4: And Paula Gardner's Own the Cat and the Fiddle, an established Hollywood watering hole and restaurant for 28 years. But her loyal patrons say it's simple.
5: Some people like to drink. Some people like to smoke. Some people,
2: you know, and I don't think that it would hurt anything.
4: However, those that deliver beer to liquor stores and restaurants have donated $10,000 to fight against Prop 19, the California initiative that would legalize marijuana.
0: I think it's hilarious. The, 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 the
6: fact that they're even coming out against it is funny. Uh, we got to save our own skin and protect our own assets.
4: That's not true, according to a spokesperson with the California Beer and Beverage Distributors who told me, quote, this is not a competitive issue for us. This initiative has nothing in there for distribution or sale of the product. Our issues are workplace safety and public safety issues, too. If one of our semis is on the highway heading to our retailers, how do we know if he's under the influence? Pop proponents say that's a smokescreen, telling me, quote, Plain and simple, the alcohol industry is trying to kill the competition. Their mission is to drive people to drink. It's a heck of a coincidence. They are peddling a product that is far more harmful to both the user and to society than marijuana. But bartender Tina Brunoletti says bars shouldn't worry smokers aren't necessarily shut it
7: that would be going under the assumption that anyone who uses marijuana is somebody who just sits on the ho- on the couch and is a pothead and therefore doesn't leave the house
2: so yeah except for when they're <laughs> going to drive their cars and, and and work that's the only time they leave the house and they smoke pot the whole time they do that too yeah that's That's great. See, this is, this is crazy, dude. They only made a $10,000 donation and they made it to the group public safety first who's basically, um, the no on 19 campaign people. And they've had a lot of trouble raising money actually. Um, but it's just that this donation was made right before like a new public safety ad from public safety came out saying, uh, you know, showing like a bus driver smoking weed and driving kids to school Jeez. and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and the whole spin that the alcohol, how do they know those people aren't drinking alcohol either? You know? I mean, come on. It's just it's ridiculous. How do you feel about it, Jamie?
1: Oh, I can agree more. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm so tired of that argument. I mean, we've, we've discussed that before about, you know, the bus driver thing, you know, I, right now today, and actually for decades um, there's been, well, I guess it's probably safe to assume within a block or two radius, there's probably a liquor store where you can buy 150 proof Bacardi rum or, you know, even the 190 proof, proofs, you know, pure spirits. I'm people aren't doing that, that drive a bus, that drive a school bus. They're not going to get booze and getting all wiped out before they drive a bus because they're human beings with a modicum of sense and sensibility and they exercise that and just because cannabis is available in a in a in a different legal framework that it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have anything to do whatsoever with people you know, exercising good judgment or exercising you know i mean there's it's, there's no question about it being inappropriate to burn down a big uh You know, cannabis cigarette or, or, you know, take a few bong hits and then jump behind the wheel of a bus and drive a bunch of school children around. I just don't buy for a minute um, that that's ever going to (laughs) happen. You know, I just it's irritating to keep putting up with the same stuff. But we're aware of what they do and their tactics. And we're just going to keep
2: up, uh, keep up our end of the bargain. You know, yeah right it's it's always the, the children the children the children they're going to ruin our yeah. children yeah yeah it's always so that's the bust bus, the you know the bust thing yeah. but the the the, the the uh, alcohol. This is and who these people are. Is um, that that made this? They're the California Beer and Beverage Distributors. They're a trade organization that represents over a hundred beer distributors statewide. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what they're saying is, how do they know their their own truck drivers aren't using it, and therefore it's a public safety hazard? And it's not. Mm-hmm. They're claiming it has nothing to do with a to trying to squash the competition or make a donation in order to 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 you know keep their uh keep alcohol as king of the market um you know that's it, sure because we all know it's
1: not it's not a public safety hazard at all
2: right 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 i mean it's, <laughs> if they're making a ten thousand dollar donation and that they should be i mean making millions for you know uh, alcohol awareness programs and stuff um but uh yeah i, I don't know i i just i i i personally from starting today until the um, election, am not going to buy beer from anywhere other than directly from a brewery itself. That's that's going to be my own personal little boycott of uh, this uh, organization that represents all these distributors. Really? So yeah, personally, it's a tough one it's uh, awesome. You know, well, it's just a, you know, I, I got a, I'm lucky I got a brewery not too far from here. So it's, it's
8: good.
2: <laughs> but, I knew uh, there
1: is a silver lining in there somewhere. Hey, you know what? I'll I, join.
2: How about that? I'll join you on your boycott and I will not buy any beer. You, <laughs> yeah. There, so you're even going the whole extra mile there, but, uh, you know, <laughs> this is a California, California, um, uh, group. Um, but it's, uh, they've joined now with, uh, California Police Chiefs Association has also donated like twenty thousand dollars recently, um, and uh, Calif- that uh, California California funny- Narcotics Officers Association also made donations. Um, it looks like the group's only been able to raise sixty one thousand dollars, um, so they don't—they're not really raising a bunch of cash.
9: So
1: do you do you find it odd that that all the police chiefs that are in office or in their positions right now are against almost unanimously just drawing together to fight this evil and like all the police chiefs that are retired <laughs> are on the opposite side of the fence how does that work you know it it, it kind of begs to uh uh i don't know it it, it indicates to me exactly what norm stamper One of the prominent uh, figureheads of LEAP, law enforcement against prohibition, has said, and it's one of the most interesting comments I've heard him say, says a lot of interesting stuff, but uh, he said, you know, it's the chief of police. Uh, association, the National Chief Police Police Chiefs Association, is a very tight knit group. There's not that many of them, you know, in the in the country, and they get to know each other, and it's kind of a you know close knit thing. And he said he goes to some of these conferences and different conventions they have, and he'll talk to his buddies, you know, from you know he's retired now, of course, but he talk to these guys, and they'll say, yeah, absolutely, we know what you're saying is true, we know what you're right, Norm, you know, we know what's going on, but I can't do that, I can't say that. And they'll they'll just concur with just about every point that Norm Stamper has been you know writing for us and ta- telling us about over the years, and and then he'll go. It's great to see you, buddy. You know, take care. And he'll shake his hand and turn around and walk onto stage in front of a podium and start talking, addressing this whole conference or, or whatever convention, and 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 pulling the status quo, just towing the line. You know about how horrible it- drugs are and how the drug war needs to get more powerful and keep it up and. All.
2: It resembles the military very much to me. Like during times of war and stuff, you have this united front from the military, you know, and they tote the line with the the rhetoric, too. You know, know, yeah, Iraq Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. They have weapons of mass destruction. You're not going to hear anyone in the military start coming out that's currently active in the military being like, no, they don't. That's up in the ranks. And the the same thing with marijuana. They're like, we're fighting the war on drugs. Marijuana is part of the war on drugs it's unhealthy yeah. for you it kills your brain cells yeah. it's bad for our children it is a gateway drug da, 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 da. and it's just the rhetoric of the war that they're fighting in and they're like dedicated right. to the people that they fight for and you know it's like they they have the same sort of allegiance that 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 people in the military have sometimes so yeah um, yeah and, and, and then, it makes me wonder a lot of these guys knowing
1: that the opposite of what they're touting on a regular basis is actually true i wonder if that that do they carry that is it difficult to carry that with them i wonder we'll never know i guess until they retire and tell us all the stuff that they were thinking when they were in
2: (laughs) yeah and and that's that is a you know you brought that up just a second ago it is crazy that, that that's how it happens in a lot of these they retire and then all of a sudden they're totally different or were they like changing throughout the process. And potentially some of them, I mean, some of these people are saying things they don't even agree with. I think um, that right. they completely, you know, and they say it for a long time and they're just like, it's like they just have memorized the, the pledge, the, the drug war pledge. And they, they know not to say anything different than that. And um, it's interesting that right. they all are not, you know, they change uh, when they're, you know, you
1: know, I think there's two kinds of animal, that are in this type of situation, the long-term kind of drug task force kind of officers. I think there's two kinds of uh, animal that, that rises out of this situation. There's the guy that either he's, he's just almost lust bloodlust he just he's he's willing to do whatever they want him to do and that's his job and he's like what do you want me to do you want me to bang some heads i'll do it you tell me what to do give me my marching orders and i'm after it whatever it takes this is my job i'm going to make a ton of money have a few nice adrenaline rushes and then be done with it and then i don't think that's the majority though and then there's the other the other type of individual tends to be the the human being <laughs> i'll call him um, that pays attention. He's compassionate. He, at least he's he's got a, a lick of sense in his head, and he's paying attention to what's going on. These guys are humans. They're people too. I mean, they call them police officers versus civilians. You know, there's this separation there. But but it, when it when it all boils down, these are people too. You know, and they have they have uh, the ability to pay attention and watch what's going on. And over the years, they see what's happening, and that's why they that's why they come out like like the the uh, representatives from Leap. That's why they come out in support of uh, legalization and, and against the drug war, because they see what's going on. They've spent years stepping on people's necks going, this is stupid. Why am I doing this?
2: Absolutely. It's, a, no? it's a, it, Yeah, it, it, it's a crazy dynamic. I just, I, I, it's it's so hard to to imagine like sitting there and spouting things that you're having trouble believing and having to do it because it's your job to, you know. Professional 2 face. Right, right. It'd be hard for oh, me. It'd be, it'd be hard for me. Hey, if you want, you can uh, email a complaint to the this uh, organization. Their email is a s s n at c b b d dot com. That's c b is in boy, b is in boy, d is in dog dot com. Uh, I sent them an email to which I have not gotten a response, and all I <laughs> said was. uh, why are you contributing money to the lobby group Public Safety First, who are the sponsors of the No Improp 19 campaign? Does your organization believe cannabis is more or less of a public safety hazard than alcohol? That was all I wanted to hear from them, and that oh, that's fair no. You know, uh, so, yeah, tell them about your
0: boycott I, too. If you don't hear back from them a couple of days,
2: that that's, that was just my first attempt. You know, <laughs> I, there'll, there'll be more emails. That was that <laughs> nice. was uh, that was diplomacy, and uh, hey. I don't know getting a little bit more bent out of shape over it though, as, as I think about it more. So.
1: Hey, if you, if you, if you tell them about your boycott, please on the end of it, put, and I can drink and I can seriously drink some beer too. <laughs>
2: that's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Hey, um, I got a, a quick, uh, a story. It's actually a blog, um, from, uh, uh, Morgan Fox at uh, Canvasnews.org. And I believe this comes off of uh, Alternet.org originally, um, and it's uh, he's he talking about how it's time for um, unity in the marijuana reform movement, um, and he's talking about the divisive arguments going on uh, within um, within it uh, within the, the industry actually, and um, he's ta- uh, basically uh, just talking about what we've been we've been getting into a lot on this show uh the fears that people have of legalization and how they fear uh corporations um taking it over um and um i know that uh, i believe uh i believe we've had some interesting conversations matt i think you had an interesting conversation recently with someone um in regards to this and and we were talking with a friend last night who does want to come on the show because we haven't been able to get the actual uh, anyone to come on and just completely disagree or have their questions about legalization on the about prop 19, it'd be good to get some firsthand accounts of why people in the industry feel like, uh, like it should not be legal. Um, but basically Mm -hmm. what he's right about is how it's time for a more unified front within the marijuana reform movement. And, um, that, uh, you know, we can't just sit around, we can't just not pass this law because it's perfect. We can't wait for a perfect law. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I, I would, if you've got a chance, check it out. You can link to it on our, on our site. Um, I've been talking about oh. it for a while. Uh, you know, I, it, here's the thing, people that have been working in the marijuana industry and, and, and grown cannabis have been doing it, um, as a form of revolution really for a while. And, uh, because it's illegal, the prices are, um, you know, they're propped up really high and people have made very good money off of it. And, um, some people have been doing it for the wrong reasons, but a lot of people have been doing it for the right reasons and for the people that have been doing it for the right reasons, um, and, uh, are still, you know, having issues with, uh, supporting prop 19, um, what you do is cool. You know, it's cool. It's really a, a, it's a really cool thing. You've been fighting a political war for a long time now and we're getting, we're, we're, we're inching closer and closer towards, towards uh, the ultimate goal. And um, it is going to be a different economy. And uh, I mean, yeah, we're (laughs) we're way, we're way far from that. You guys haven't, we're inching, but if you haven't listened, uh, you know Jamie believes so strongly in, in the value of cannabis that he believes it should be able to be treated like lettuce at some point. Um, Absolutely, we're we're nowhere near that, but uh, this is a big step that we're coming to here in in uh, six weeks. Um, it's basically basically just a decision if, if we should uh, legalize marijuana or not, and um, then it's going to be a big big yeah there's going to be a lot of change a lot's going to be re- need to be regulated uh people that are in the business are going to need to learn how to work with each other and start collaborating instead of having so many tiny businesses and people that don't work efficiently together um sure. you know growing manufacturing marijuana in their houses it's it's going to change it's going to change and for the people that are living the lifestyle i know that that's a really hard thing to, uh, look at and and swallow because you like your life, you know? Um, but it's more about what is the utilitarian thing to do? What's going to do the most good for the most people. And, uh, you know, I, I know that in, in back where you live, Jamie, they'll throw you, throw you in jail for, for very minimal amounts of, of, of marijuana. And, um, this is just another step, um, towards that. And um, we are going to get some people on here soon that have uh, uh, real uh, strong opinions against Prop 19 um, and do work in the industry. And, uh, yeah, we'll be bringing that to you sometime in the future. So um, keep listening. Awesome. Heck, yeah. Yep.
5: Heck, yeah.
1: Yep. And uh, speaking of change, hey, you know, we we had some of our, our – uh, I, well, I can't recall. And pardon me for not remembering who this was. But maybe, you know, It was it Staley – Or Sean. One of them was asking about unions. I think it was Sean. I think it was. I think so, too. Well, anyway, hopefully they're both listening. And uh, I I know they're going to be very interested in this story. I'm so excited to tell about this story. This is a very big deal. As organized labor, this is from the Associated Press Wire. As organized labor forces declining, faces declining membership, one of the country's most storied unions is looking to a new growth industry, marijuana. The Teamsters added, wait, let me say that again. The Teamsters Mm -hmm. added nearly 40 new members earlier this month by organizing the country's first group of unionized marijuana growers. Such an arrangement is likely only possible in California, which has the nation's loosest medical marijuana laws. But it's still unclear how the Teamsters will safeguard the rights of members who do work that's considered a federal crime. So we'll see what's going on. But this is really cool. Their newly negotiated two-year contract provides them with a pension, paid vacation, and health insurance. Their current wages of $18 an hour will increase to uh, $25.75 an hour within 15 months, according to the union.
0: (laughs) So I I looked it up, and um, it was Clay that sent us that message. It wasn't Clay. Haley or Sean. Oh, Oh, man. Another one of our— Yeah, from
1: Kentucky. Totally. Awesome. Well, yeah. Hey, well, Clay, check hope, that out, Clay. I bet you're, you're excited to hear about this news. Yeah, this is a big deal, man. The teamsters well, are all the, people.
2: Here's the deal. Here's the trip. So the 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 members work for a company that are Margin Investments LLC. And mm-hmm. so do they? Do the gardeners work out of their homes? Are they unionizing home gardeners? Is that what's going on? Or are these patients that grow their their weed in a different facility or something? Not really. I'm not exactly sure how
1: it'll work. They said they're, they're, they're still not clear if the new teamsters will count as farm workers or or how that's going to, how that's going to work. That would put them outside of the national labor relations board. Um, which is, which is good because I think that's uh, something that that's mediated. It's able to be mediated by the federal government in a different way. I don't really know the, 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 legal logistics behind all of it, so I don't want to get too far in it and get way off the of track here but but yeah that's uh it's going man they unionized them and put them in there,
2: so the interesting part's just about to happen we'll
1: see we'll see what goes on twenty five
2: twenty five seventy five is a is a a living wage. is definitely a living wage um I could live on it yeah that's that's yeah. a living wage so um even in uh even down in Oakland where it is uh fairly expensive to live um that's definitely a living wage. So, um, it's kind of interesting to see some, some, some things like this kind of trickling through and starting to happen in California.
1: Yeah. Uh, And a pension paid vacation and health insurance for growing pot. How about that? Huh?
2: Yeah. I wonder, I'm sure we'll get (laughs) more on this here in the future. Um, I wonder exactly how it works and where they're growing it. If this is one of those large companies that's going to exist in, uh, in Oakland, that's doing one of the big warehouses or, or or what you know? So um, yeah, be huge to to get some some other news on this in the future. Thanks, Jamie. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Certainly, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> See, Clay, let us know what you think of that, or uh, anyone, let us know what you think of uh, unions uh, becoming involved out here in California. Just shoot us an email or a call. Um, you got a clip here? Is that what you got? You got a? Looks like you got some clips here. I got, yeah, we got clips?
10: a couple clips here. It's medicine. And the push to legalize pot has an interesting new adversary, California beer and beverage distributors. The trade association just contributed $10,000 to stop Proposition 19 from happening. Proposition 19 would make smoking and possessing marijuana legal under California state law. Voters will decide in November, on November 2nd, to pass it or not to pass it. But this raises a question. Is marijuana really worse than alcohol or vice versa? What's going on? So let's talk about it with uh, Roger Salazar. He's from the Public Safety First. That is a group that received the 10 grand from the California beverage and beer distributors. Uh, The distributors declined our invitation to come on the program. We also have with us Mason Tavert uh, from Safer or Safer Alternatives for Enjoyable Recreation, part of the coalition to pass Prop 19. Thanks both of you gentlemen for joining us tonight here on CNN. So Mason, when you heard about this beer group's uh, contribution, what was your reaction?
6: Well, Listen, every objective study on marijuana has concluded it's a far safer substance than alcohol and clearly what we're seeing here is that the alcohol industry is trying to prevent competition. They realize that marijuana is the next most popular recreational drug after alcohol and they want to ensure the booze keeps flowing and the pot does not. And it's really unfortunate because what they're doing is they're driving Californians to drink when they might otherwise make a rational, safer choice to use a less harmful substance.
10: Okay, so Roger, why do California beer and beverage distributors give public safety first
11: $10,000? Did members tell you? Well, listen. I think uh, I think Mason's making a little bit of a jump here. Let's keep in mind that the beer and beverage distributors are the folks who deliver uh, be- beer and beverage uh, you know, products. They're the truck drivers. They're forklift drivers. You know, they're the, the warehouse workers. You know, these are folks who have traffic safety and, and, and employee safety issues first and foremost. The fact is, uh, under Prop 19, uh, there are no. Uh, you, know, there, you know, You know, you you're you're allowed. You're not allowed to smoke marijuana while you're driving. But there's nothing that says you can't smoke marijuana right before you get behind the wheel. So that's safety concern. And there are also concerns uh, from the employer side about testing. Uh, You know, under this initiative, it it creates a protected class for marijuana smokers and basically says that you cannot uh, uh, test for marijuana and and, or or fire a worker unless you can prove actual job impairment. So those are uh, some new legal uh, thresholds that employers would have to meet.
10: Aren't those the same rules as alcohol? I don't see anything
11: different that you said about alcohol. No, because you create, what you do under Prop 19 is it creates the it Prop 19 says that you cannot discriminate against people who are participating in uh, or who are using this product uh, under this new law. So it basically creates an extra protection for marijuana if you, if users, you, if which someone doesn't exist you for alcohol it,
10: users. It, it, I think once a, here's the thing: once a law goes into effect, if it does, if Californians vote and say yes on uh, to marijuana being able to use marijuana right. legally, then some sort of standard would have to be put in place, like alcohol. Or when you're doing well, the laser or what have you. Maybe. So, so what's the difference? So, I don't understand. It
11: seems like that the the point is moot well, because it hasn't happened yet. It's not moot, though, because that doesn't exist. And, and again, under this initiative, it, it specifically omits any definition of what constitutes under the influence of marijuana. There is no definition under here, so you'd have to create something new. And again, what, what, uh, what this uh, initiative has done is it, it basically leaves it up to uh, 536 different local and county jurisdictions to create their own separate rules. So we essentially have utter chaos into trying to figure out you know, how you exactly you enforce any of the rules that are set up. All right, sir, go ahead and respond to what he said.
6: Well, yeah, I mean, we got to, you know, with all due respect to this gentleman, he is a political consultant being paid by the booze industry to protect their turf. And, you know, I respect the fact that um, he's involved in this fight, but, you know, this group is calling itself public safety first. Why on earth would they prefer to keep alcohol as the only legal drug in the mix here? And with regard, you know, Don, I think you make a great point. marijuana driving is going to be illegal. It's going to be illegal to use marijuana while you're on the job. Employers can continue to fire people. But what this gentleman's job is here is to raise doubt and to scare people. And, you know, he's, again, being paid by the by the alcohol industry. So we really need to consider where this information is coming from. And we also need to consider the fact that, you know, this gentleman mentions all the jobs that are created by the alcohol industry. These are all jobs that could be created by the marijuana industry as well. And at the same time, we're giving Californians the ability to use a substance like marijuana that doesn't contribute to domestic violence and sexual assault and uh, overdose deaths and all the other problems that alcohol contributes to. Yeah, I'm not saying that either one, you,
10: that it should be legalized or what have you, but as uh, uh, someone who's come from a family where um, where there is alcoholism, I think that, you know, if you abuse any one of them, they are bad. Everything in moderation, everything in moderation. All right, thank you, guys. appreciate you joining us on CNN. No problem.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Interesting. Good job, Mason Tivert, huh?
2: Yeah, he did it there. That was good, solid, solid. Yep. No, no offense so, to this dude, but he's uh, being paid by the booze industry to protect <laughs> their turf. That's right, it's exactly dude. right. It's exactly That's exactly right. right. Yeah. I mean, come on, why does why would the alcohol industry care about? Uh, uh, there's no, there's no guidelines in there. There's no clear definition as to what being under the influence is. Well, then we'll figure it out. I mean, once we have yeah. the money, we can start. Te- I mean, you know, we can. Test and determine how to de- if people have a t- if or have been using marijuana while driving, um, right. or at work. You can create some sort of definition for that and some sort of law. But the reality is too is is it? I mean, marijuana just doesn't intoxicate you like alcohol. So even comparing it in the same, they're like apples and oranges. They're totally right. two totally different intoxications. And 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 I you well hearing.
0: Can I, can I bring this to light? Uh, Like the word intoxication in general, you know, or to, to be toxic. Sure. Um, Yeah. Alcohol is toxic. Cannabis is like incredibly, relatively non-toxic. Like it's, 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 it's not to call cannabis intoxicating is I think a misnomer.
2: In Mason's uh-huh. book, they talk about that in safer in the book they talk uh-huh. about that actually, and how it, it they'll just use the word i mean basically, we're just like seceding that we can use that word to describe being high, you know what I mean? But that it is not toxic like alcohol is. It's not toxic like methamphetamines are. It does not just kill you like that. It does not mutate your cells. So it's not toxic to that extent. That's a great point, Matt. I mean, you know, um, but we still... The, debate it within that, those parameters sometimes. So it misleads some people to kind of, th- and, and I wonder, you know, there's, there's people that don't know what it's like to smoke marijuana. They don't know how relatively, um, you know, uh, mellow it is. It's not like, I mean, you go on a alcohol bender and <laughs> different person, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, it's just a whole, it's, I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's like, Talking about you know about apples and oranges, really, but at the same time, Mason and and their safer does a great job at continuously just showing and hammering in how marijuana could be a more rational choice for people to use um, instead of alcohol. And uh, um, uh, that was a very
0: good uh, little debate on his part. Yeah, he always does a good job. He does. Yep. He does. Definitely. Definitely. Someone who does not always do a good job <laughs> is uh, <laughs> the guy formerly uh, or uh, uh, affectionately referred to as Steve Douchey on Fox News. <laughs> douchey? Yeah, Doucey. Douchey is his huh. real name, but is <laughs> like Douchey is. I like Douchebag. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> you yeah, like my I, falsetto? I, <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> I right. got this
2: clip here. Cool. Let's Check it out.
0: Rolling.
5: You've probably heard supporters of legalized pot in California claim it would save the state's economy. Just think of all that tax money. Well, now some veteran police officers and chiefs as well are supporting Prop 19. They say it would actually make the streets safer. How is that possible? Let's talk to this man. Joseph McNamara is a former San Jose uh, police chief and a member of the group Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. He joins us from Stanford University studio. Uh, Good morning to you, chief. Good morning. Uh, I know the California Police Chiefs Association has come out against legalizing pot with Prop 19 in your beautiful state. Why are you for legalizing pot?
12: Well, many of us are for it, and many chiefs say they can't speak openly for it, uh, but it's quite exciting for, uh, for us because this will strike a blow against the drug cartels and drug gangs uh, by taking away 60% of the funds that they obtain now from marijuana black market Mm -hmm. Uh, during my 35 years in law enforcement we never landed a glove on them and this can be done without any expensive new programs or bureaucracies and it actually will save a lot of money in policing the courts and prison system at the same time it will bring in new revenue uh, by taxing marijuana which ironically now escapes taxation because it's illegal. I've been a research fellow at the Hoover Institution here, and I've been studying this for years since retiring from policing, and we have an organization called LEAP of law enforcement officers, which think this is the best thing that could ever happen. We will reduce crime in California, by my estimates, of uh, between 40 million and 208 million crimes a year, and we will strike a great blow against the people getting rich, the drug dealers and drug cartels.
5: Okay, well, Chief, that is, if you, if you legalize it, let me, let me take the other side. They say, look, uh, people who smoke pot, uh, studies have shown that it, uh, among other things, it uh, minimizes their short-term memory, it reduces their reaction <coughs> time. Uh, Chief, you know, you've been in, in uh, policing for 35 years. You have a stone driver behind the wheel of a car. That is a bad thing out on I-5 or something like that.
12: Uh, Well, that's correct. And Prop 19 expressly states that this will not change that. Uh, They will still be arrested, as they should be, and the police will actually have more time to do that and concentrate on this because they will save enormous resources by not having to deal with pot. Uh, Today, under the present system, we still have anyone in California who wants to get uh, marijuana can get it and use it. And they refuse to admit this failure, but they are endorsing the status quo, right. which has never worked, and it never will work, and it results in a great deal of violence, sure. crime, and corruption.
5: Well, Chief, one of the other arguments is if you pass Prop 19 and you legalize pot, okay, you're <coughs> saying, you know, it would be a, a boon to the state coffers, and it would reduce crime, and the drug cartels would go out of business. But what about the uh, inadvertent fact that uh, suddenly a lot of pot would be out there in the open and it's going to wind up in the hands of
12: kids uh... that turns out to be false it, it's out there in how the can open you say now. That? if
5: it's legal and it's all well, let me, if somebody, <laughs> let me okay. tell you how if, uh, if it's on somebody it, if it's on somebody's coffee table and a kid walks by and he thinks i'm gonna smoke that what's gonna stop him?
12: let me tell you what happens now uh the kids themselves in polling going off for 30 years say it's easier to get marijuana than it is to get alcohol because uh, to get alcohol, which is legal, you have to display an ID card, but the dope dealers don't ask for ID cards and they're actually using kids to sell dope and, and luring them into using harder drugs and into the whole drug business. So what you hear is false and the fact is the parents can get pot anytime they want now and the kids can take pot or any other prescription drug if the parents aren't doing their job in raising children but uh, you know anyone who thinks the government is going to uh... keep their kids from being exposed to drugs is has to get real this is not the real world and in fact the best way to, uh, to do this uh, is to prevent protect your kids and protect us is to pass Prop 19. People are not okay. afraid of pot smokers, but they are afraid of murderers and robbers and burglars, and that's what the police right. have a fundamental duty to okay. protect, not to stop people from smoking pot. Uh,
5: although currently it is illegal, and there sure is a lot of it going on. Uh, Chief uh, Joseph McNamara, we thank you very much for joining us from California. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
0: now although, you know why I call him nah. Steve Douchey. 'Cause he has to add that little douchebag <laughs> douchebag
2: statement at the end, the little douchebag. <laughs> yeah. What a douchebag. I, I like that guy's argument against the kids, kids, kids. It's gonna be how can you say He didn't even let him answer it. He asked, <laughs> he, asked he, he didn't, no. He Yeah. Uh douche. I mean yeah.
1: Douchebag.
2: Um I liked his, uh, his argument against the kids, kids, kids thing. It's so true. It's easier to yeah. get pot. It's not, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, I mean, the same thing about alcohol. Well, if you just leave beer and booze in your refrigerator all the time, your kids could eventually, if you're not around, if you haven't taught them, um, like your kids could use your alcohol too. I mean, it's a, it's, it's one of those things that's up to, um, uh, the parents to, yeah. to make sure their kids don't get access to shit paint thinner i mean you know like i mean you know like i mean
0: aspirin aspirin is incredibly toxic you eat too many of those things you die right don't let your kid get a hold of your computer keyboard cleaner gas
2: stuff either i mean there's so much dangerous stuff in your house i mean i don't know come on At, at a point you have to 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 kind of let the parents regulate within the household and right. uh if they're going to be the type that keeps pot out on the table they sure as hell better be the type that has, has their kid understanding what that is and does not let their kids use use pot i mean you know, yeah, did parents... you know did
1: you notice in that clip that's one of those police chiefs i was referencing earlier
2: i said it you was. know that
1: it, he said exactly what i just said
2: <laughs> no, so crazy he was so eloquent in his thoughts on it he how he didn't develop that that eloquent of a of a um of an argument for his what do you think in, in two days i mean he's had to have been feeling like that for a long time you know i mean oh, yeah. that's yeah he's know.
1: relaxed about the issue because he's been ensconced in it you know first person for the last 3 decades or more
0: yep yep all right so uh, we're going to follow up on some high scream here high scream you scream High scream! We you all scream. scream! We all scream for high scream. Have you? So I think this. I think this high scream thing is just taken off in the media because I've heard the story everywhere now. You mean yeah. it, it, is it taking off like as one of those things where they're like the kids, the kids? No, I think it's just like it's it's like funny. It's like high scream, and everyone's calling right. it it's high scream, and it's catchy, and it's got a great name, you know. Man, I can't wait till there's like ice cream bars, so you can go in <laughs> and a little little hole in the wall, and they check your
2: ID, and you come in, you sit down, and just have a bowl of chunk
0: chocolate ganja ice cream. Sounds great.
2: <laughs> <That's>,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. this straw strawberry Marie, or what was oh, it? strawberry, man. strawberry, strawberry cheesecake. cheesecake. Yeah. Oh yeah, Whoa. with dope in it. Sweet so yeah i I found this story uh uh, on fox news and uh they they start with the uh the ice cream and then and then move on to if california legalizes marijuana the feds are gonna shut it down
13: Okay, so forget about smoking pot. How about eating it in a Sunday? Kind of like Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors or something. Mm -hmm. A California medical marijuana dispensary is selling pot-infused ice cream in flavors like Banana Foster. I'm not making this up. This is real. And with California voting this November on the legality of pot, is it only a matter of time before everyone's walking down the street, eating a marijuana ice cream cone? So we're going to ask Democratic strategist Julian Epstein and former deputy assistant to President George Bush, Brad Blake, and you guys probably never thought you'd be booked on a segment about pot ice cream. I certainly never thought I'd be talking about it. So, Brad, you're up first. It feels first.
14: high just to be talking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll mellow
13: you out, Julian, because you need to chill. Actually, right? I thought
5: Julian was smoking it in the last segment.
14: <laughs>
6: oh,
13: <laughs> I know. I'm like envisioning Cheech and Chong right now. All right. So, Brad, if it becomes legal, These are you going to go out and get a pot ice cream cone?
5: I am not because I don't think the law will ever go into effect if, in fact, the voters in California pass Proposition 19 because the federal government's going to step in under the the Supremacy Clause, Article 6 of the Constitution, and say, hey, wait a second, Uh, federal law trumps uh, any state law. And the fact is that the federal law says that this is a controlled substance, therefore it cannot be legalized on a statewide basis, and therefore the feds are going to come in and shut it down.
13: Hmm, no pop for you. That's what you're saying, right? Like the pot Nazi. Okay, Julianne, <laughs> so, what about you? Do you think this is a good idea? I'll tell you, my old state, California, they're desperate for cash We have major financial problems there. The governor isn't opposed to this type of thing. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this passed in November, so this isn't that far-fetched.
14: Yeah, no, I've got a lot of family out in California, too, and they, they share the, kind of the same concerns. But I, I hate to agree with Brad on this because I think concerns. it makes it a less interesting program, but I, I do agree with him <laughs> on a legal matter. But secondly, yeah, I think there biased. are issues where there are politics, and then there's issues where there's science. And I say science. let's follow the scientists here and science. I think the people who are for legalization of marijuana have really not made the case on the science yet I mean science. I think there's a lot of scientific data out there data. that shows that ingesting marijuana can have imp- cognitive impact on memory on attention on motor skills uh, on motivation I know the other side argues that isn't true but there's a fair amount of scientific data that shows that that is I'm for making the, letting the scientists make these kind of decisions. Science? I don't like plebiscites, I don't like mm. politicians making these decisions. I think we got to follow the science, and I think the folks that want legalization are nowhere close to meeting the burden, the public health burden,
0: uh, for, for that argument.
13: Julian, I have to say with this may no be <laughs> the only times I totally agree with you. Wait,
0: how many times did he say the word science?
12: Data. am too. Yeah, I really like, yeah we're just totally yep.
13: in unison, in step here. I couldn't have said yep. it better myself. I'm a former prosecutor from the San Francisco yep. office and L.A. <laughs> so, the last
14: but, thing this uh-oh. country needs is a there nation people. people ah.
3: ah. <laughs> i right, yeah. We don't slope. need
14: to finish this shit. Jeez, who the fuck were these people? <laughs>
3: what?
0: You just like ruined my whole night, dude. dude. This was um, okay. So the, it, I thought I'm, this was going to be a high screen song. Sorry. <laughs> 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 well, that's just how they open. Opened it. That
2: <laughs> was the
3: hook.
0: <laughs> Jeez. God. Um. This was this was Geraldo at large on the Fox News channel. It's not. It's not Geraldo hosting. Maybe she's sitting in for him or something. I don't know. But it's, while
2: he's out smoking pot, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of
0: messed up because <laughs> I don't think. Well, I mean, he's not. Uh, you like.
1: know, at least in the bright side, she seems way hotter than Geraldo. She, she uh, yeah, she sounds <laughs> okay. like Geraldo.
0: Yeah, Dude, did yeah. you guys? Know, he he had his like uh, I don't know thirty fortieth anniversary in broadcasting or something recently, and uh, no one threw him you know like a, a roast or anything. So he he threw his own special. <laughs> oh man! That he hosted.
1: <laughs>
2: wow! <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. At least at least he still got perfect hair and such you a know nice what? mustache.
1: He did that vault. Was it Al Capone's vault, or who's one of those mobsters, the famous mobsters? He did that vault thing, and I think everybody's opinion of Geraldo went from he's pretty pretty good, he's pretty interesting to what the, and they just stopped paying attention to him after that. Remember that event? He like staged this no. huge unveiling. They're going into the vault and find out what's in there. It was nothing. There was <laughs> nothing in there. They're like, it was the most <laughs> anticlimactic TV
0: event ever. <laughs> In history
1: people were so turned off to Horaldo after that
0: they didn't actually open it before they staged a huge live tv event around it you know
1: you would th- you would think they'd <laughs> check it out or do something I don't know I mean how hard is it to, sh- to close the damn thing again <laughs> but yeah that's uh it seems to me I mean I don't I may be wrong but it seems to me that that's where his career took a different
0: huh
2: you know, hey Screw Geraldo. What do you think about the science that this science nerd is talking about scientifically? What do you think, Jamie? Will you lay it down for us, please?
1: Yeah, I will. I would be glad to. Um, First of all, I don't think this individual has taken the time to delve into the research that's available. If he has, he surely would have said something to the effect of, good gosh, it's, it's exhaustive. There's so much stuff out there about cannabis that's credible, uh, peer-reviewed literature. It's amazing. You know, I started out this before this clip, Marsha or whoever that lady was, that sounded really hot, you know, and, and I just thought, this is bogus. There's no research, there's no nothing. And then I started taking a look at it, just you know, just kind of playing the devil's advocate. And geez, there's mountains, mountains of research.
2: Mountains. But, you, know, you talk about it all, all the time.
1: Dead.
2: Yeah. And you're yeah. going to talk about it at the, at the end of the show. If you guys are listening, you're going to be talking about some some uh, top 10 well, cannabis studies that the government wished it had never funded. I mean...
1: You betcha. Thanks to Jesse, our listener, for pointing that out. You'll see. Uh, there's some good ones on
2: there. There's. I mean, you know, so... Um, man... Just they just he just they just say it and it wasn't and it's was like yeah he in there he said concerns before there were even she didn't have any concerns she just asked a question it was really weird that was like a total that herado's fox right that sounded very much fox fox was that fox yeah 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 that was crap let's move on
1: <laughs> yes please <laughs> sure what else is happening oh where are we headed next you got some. Uh, boondoggling going on there's some boondoggling check this out we heard from mason Tavert in one of those clips a little bit earlier well i've got back-to-back stories here that are both pretty interesting um and both by his uh two other co-authors of that fantastic book um If, if marijuana is safer why are they driving me to drink um this is paul Armentano the deputy director of Normal and the Normal Foundation, and he has done some great work. He's really a good guy. He's one of the, I don't know, pot stars of our movement, if you will. Um, I just made that up. Did I make that up? I don't think I made that up. But anyway, um, this is interesting. He wrote in, it's titled, he wrote this op-ed is what happened. And uh, the story is titled, Failed Marijuana Policies Are a Bipartisan Boondoggle. And uh, to preface it, he said, Texas GOP drug warrior Representative Lamar Smith of the 21st District lashed out at the Obama administration yesterday on Fox News. And uh, we'll have this up on our website for you. It has a link to the video you can watch about it. Um, He claimed that the president is soft on pot and refusing
0: to enforce federal drug laws. We actually we have the clip uh, ready here. We do. do. Yeah, let's take it. Do you want to hear it? Boondoggling. Yeah, we got some boondoggling action going on here. Boondoggle. Here we go.
15: The top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee is blasting the Justice Department over medical marijuana. Texas Congressman Lamar Smith sending a strong letter to the Attorney General Eric Holder expressing his concern over what he calls the lax enforcement of federal drug laws. He says marijuana use is funding Mexican drug cartels and violence along the U.S.-Mexican border. Joining us now is that Congressman Lamar Smith. Congressman, there's a, a fairly new survey out that shows marijuana use is way up in this country. You think uh, lax enforcement is part of the reason? Uh,
8: John, I do, and good to be with you. Uh, first of all, illegal drug use is now at a 10-year high. Marijuana use is up. Uh, dr- illegal drug use across the borders up it was up nine percent just last year, and so here we have the administration actually directing its federal prosecutors not to enforce federal law and not to go after these so called uh, medical marijuana uh, distributors that are so often just fronts for illegal marijuana and illegal drug distribution i don 't understand why the administration doesn 't want to enforce our drug, law- drug laws. Uh, that we have on the books and that's one of the explanations I think for this uh, new 10-year record in illegal drug use
15: well and you said that in your letter I want to read our viewers part of it you wrote to the Attorney General I am concerned that the department's relaxed enforcement of federal marijuana laws in conjunction with state medicinal marijuana laws has fostered the misguided belief particularly among America's youth that marijuana is harmless you think essentially that's what the President and the Attorney uh, General are saying? Well,
8: <laughs> marijuana is not harmless. We know that from all the experts. Uh, but the administration is clearly giving the message, sending the message, uh, that they don't think it's bad uh, to use marijuana. So they're encouraging the use of marijuana. And that simply is not a good thing to do. Uh, marijuana is the cash crop that is used by the drug. Uh, uh, distributors, drug traffickers in Mexico, so allowing marijuana to be used increases the drug profits uh, of, of those drug traffickers, and uh, that is not a good thing to do you 've also got the administration does last this guy live on uh, helping mm. to uh, pass and enact legislation that actually reduces the penalties for crack cocaine traffickers, so they 're going the exact wrong direction. why they think this is good for the American people. Uh, to not enforce laws against marijuana and to reduce, on the other hand, the penalties uh, for crack uh, drug for crack trafficking, I don't know why that's good for the American people. We ought to be enforcing our drug laws, uh, not backing away. from Well, I,
15: I also thought you brought up an interesting point, and believe it or not, it brings into play here Arizona's House Bill 1070, that that uh, crackdown on illegal immigration. Uh, yeah. The the federal government sued Arizona, saying you cannot supplant federal law and you wrote uh, how do you mr. attorney general justify right. suing arizona for allegedly preempting federal immigration law and yet not seek the same remedy against the states who have preempted federal drug laws uh, if arizona crossed let me just finish the your line i'm sorry to take it from you if arizona crossed a constitutional line by enacting its own immigration mm-hmm. policy that conflicts with federal immigration law then so too have the 14 states that enacted their mm-hmm. own marijuana drug policy
8: Right, exactly. The administration should be consistent if if they believe, as I know they do, that federal law supersedes state law. Why isn't that true in California with marijuana laws, just like they said it was true in Arizona? Any response? uh, Well, the administration not only is not being uh, consistent, uh, but they're actually encouraging the use of illegal drugs, which is not the right direction this country should be going.
15: Congressman Lamar Smith, Republican of Texas. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. He's from Planet Gop. (laughs) cop yeah cop
2: so uh, that is an interesting question though um which I, I don't know well what he was asking if they you know like with the immigration law in arizona how how the federal government sued them uh how come the bush administration or the obama administration hasn't taken that route with medical marijuana at all it's interesting uh, i mean just a, just as a i'm just wondering why if, if it's not possible because it's a totally different sort of you know it's beyond me but it's a that's a, that's like the only really interesting thing I found out of that clip. Other than that, I hated everything that was in that clip. Arr, <laughs> yeah, what's up with that guy? What, what's up with these clips?
3: Hey, <laughs> I need to <laughs> put know, a clip. We got a clip
5: the, and, uh, we've
1: got the, uh, the figures from 2009, and law enforcement officials prosecuted a near record 858,408 uh, persons for violating marijuana laws in 2009. That's the first year of the Obama presidency, by the way. And uh, that total is the second highest annual number of pot prosecutions ever recorded in the United States. Um, according to the arrest, date, uh, arrest data made public last week by the FBI, um, our United States Federal Bureau of Investigation, some 88 percent, that's 758,593 Americans of those charged with marijuana violations, were prosecuted for possession only. So uh, Armentano goes on in his uh Piece here. He said, Does any rational person really think that arresting and prosecuting nearly 1 million Americans annually for the use of a substance that is objectively safer than alcohol exemplifies a soft or better yet sound public policy? It's it, it's it's really ridiculous. Um, well, and what this, has, what this
2: guy what this guy was saying too is that the federal government doesn't enforce federal drug laws, which is totally bullshit. They do enforce federal drug laws. They take it a little easier now on medical marijuana states because they know that it'll be a serious pr problem if they go prosecuting people in states that have their own state laws because in america the majority of people believe in the right for states to and to some degree have their own laws and um it's it just it's it, in in the states that don't have medical marijuana the feds are busting down on people for marijuana crimes like it's crack so yeah. uh i mean it, it, you know i i don't know this just i was just not i wasn't feeling all that all that 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 you know feeling all that good about what that guy had to say. I don't know <laughs> if I'm the only one here, but uh...
0: <laughs> no,
2: yeah, me neither. Me neither. I think
1: we're unanimous on that one. Uh, Montana yeah. reported that reporter Mike Mike Riggs uh, stated in an article called uh, entitled DEA. DOJ stay mum on medical marijuana raids. He said, despite campaign promises to the contrary, the Department of Justice under President Barack Obama and Attorney General Eric Holder hasn't stopped raiding marijuana dispensaries operating in states where sale of the drug is legal for medical purposes. But the DOJ... Department of Justice has demonstrated one marked change now that it's under democratic control. The department has stopped publicizing medical marijuana raids both by both by requesting that more cases be sealed under court order and by refusing to distribute press releases. And then the story went on to cite details of over a dozen recent federal raids of medical marijuana providers in California, Colorado, Michigan, and Nevada, all states that have been approved Uh, have approved the cultivation and possession of medical marijuana. Uh, Do you know that uh, Armentano points out in this, and and like I said, we have this linked on the website. You can take a more in-depth look at it, and there's tons of useful links in this story. But he he pointed out that since 1965, police have arrested over 21 million Americans for violating uh, marijuana laws.
0: Jeez. Yeah.
1: Yep. Wow. Now, that didn't cost us any money, did it? It's no, almost ten
0: no. percent of the current population of the United States,
1: yeah, yep it's extreme it's very very much extreme. He ends this uh piece, well, this is really important too, because he published this in the 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 hill dot com it's uh they have a congress blog it's where lawmakers come to blog it says it's also where legislators and other politicos come to gauge the pulse of the public, so he see writes that uh given that this paper of record it's a paper of record on Capitol Hill. Why not send Representative Lamar Smith and his colleagues a message? And there's a link on the story that you can get on our website uh, uh, in order to just very easily do that and send him a message. So we encourage people to do that. Uh, Definitely, by all means. Um, And it gives a link to contact him directly as well. Please uh, try to keep it. I know, I know that you're, you have the urge just to, to send him a letter that has 27 F-bombs in a row, <laughs> but, you know, it's a lot more functional if you try to uh, t- speak with intelligence and uh, act like you got you know, your, your ducks in a row and, and let him know how ludicrous his policies and his mis- misguided
0: uh, information is. So you're saying I should not write him a letter? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, not without restraint. <laughs> Use the
1: intensive intellect. You know, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting,
2: uh, story. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's enough of that crazy th- Those or some crazy. are a couple crazy clips there. Let's move on from some high screen. Let's find out what's going on in Colorado. Let's, let's get, uh, Chris Peza on the phone and, and, uh, get to, get a little background history into what the scene's cool. like in Colorado. We've been promising it for a long time. Can you yeah, get him on the line, Matt? Let's do it.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. And, uh, we're here with, uh, Chris Peza. Is it Peza right? Yeah. Yeah, and um where are you at, Chris?
7: Uh right now I'm in Greeley, Colorado. The uh, University uh, of Northern Colorado.
0: Okay. Cool. And um you are a founding member of the chapter uh of Students for Sensible Drug Policy, is that right?
7: Yeah, we're in the process of uh forming a chapter, Students for Sensible Drug Policy here on campus.
0: Okay.
2: You you've, you've oh. done you've done this before, haven't you?
7: Um about yeah about a year and a half ago i formed and uh, led the ssdp chapter at uh front range community college in longmont which is uh close to boulder mm-hmm. and um yeah so this is the second chapter right now i think we have about six in the state right now
12: awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: congratulations
0: so um uh for our listeners that have been paying attention a few weeks back we did a um uh sort of a uh tell all about the the history and the current state of uh California's uh marijuana law and we've been trying to find someone from Colorado who can um help us do the same uh in in that state because frankly we're we don't live there and uh it's good to have someone on the ground so um yeah maybe you can maybe you can walk us through the history of uh medical marijuana sure um well,
7: Colorado in 2000 passed Amendment 20, and uh, that allows for patients to possess uh, medical marijuana cards, and um, you can own up to two ounces of usable marijuana and or six plants, and uh, didn't really define the parameters of caregivers or dispensaries. It actually didn't even mention the word dispensary, but um, it mentioned that caregivers can only grow for five patients at a time. And, uh, so that was the initial law, but because it didn't have anything in it to regulate dispensaries or how it would be distributed or anything, I believe it was last summer in 09, when it really started to take off around here, there were a few people in Boulder who set up a dispensary and sort of just caught on like wildfire and there wasn't any exact legislation for it. All we really knew is medical marijuana was legal and, um, People were starting to register for cards to be able to possess it legally. So the dispensary system sort of birthed out of itself with no regulation in place for it. And that definitely caused the sort of Wild West scenario um, where you would open up the the newspaper in Boulder, the, like the CU Buffs late night delivery menu and there'd be medical marijuana on it <laughs> uh-huh. and people just, um, not necessarily following the type of immunity restrictions that you would see in some of the higher quality California dispensaries, particularly I'm thinking like Harbor side. Um, if, if we're going to be servicing, if a dispensary is going to be servicing, uh, people who have terminally terminal diseases like cancer or AIDS, then, um, they need to have a facility that is, Totally sanitary, like a hospital would be, and there, there just needs to be regulation in place in general. Otherwise, you sort of have this just hippie shops popping up everywhere, hippie mom and mom and pop uh, marijuana shops, and that's what happened. I think in Denver, you know, we have over 200 dispensaries at this point, and um, so this year in June, HB 1284 was passed, and this is the new regulation bill, and. Initially, it kind of looked good because it was just going it was going to move a lot of the grow operations into industrial areas um, and it, and um, taking the risk out of uh, home grows and besides that, it was going to put immunity restrictions in place as far as uh, keeping places sanitary. but it produced a as it was changed and the language got worse and worse, it started to include things like being able to ban dispensaries from your town. And um, that's sort of what we're facing this fall, is that some towns here in Colorado are electing to ban it. And people have to adhere by this new regulation by Election Day. So um, a lot of dispensary owners are scrambling right now to get the licenses set up uh, through the Department of Revenue. And some communities like Denver and Boulder are trying to assist the the medical marijuana community to uh, legitimize themselves whereas other communities like Colorado Springs and Grand Junction are um, the more conservative areas and they're fighting against um, having dispensaries at all in their states and the most audacious one is uh, uh, Grand Junction where the the town council is probably going to uh, decide to ban dispensaries without even allowing it go to go to a vote Wow
1: and did you say Colorado Springs is another place that's pretty conservative out there?
7: Yes, not as much so as Grand Junction, but it's mm-hmm. um, they didn't get a vote on for this November's ballot. But in the spring, they may hold an election to ban dispensaries. It's a discussion that's taking place down there.
0: Wow. Now, so is that um, banning dispensaries? Given that it's a constitutional amendment that um, that uh, that allows them, um, are lawyers seeing this as an unconstitutional move?
7: Um. Well, that's the thing. Amendment twenty actually doesn't mention
0: the word dispensary. I see. Okay, yeah, yeah. I
2: think but what about the that. the court rulings? Have the courts said? Has the Colorado? What has the Colorado Supreme Court said about um, about dispensaries?
7: Um, as of now, I don't think that there has been a decisive case. There have been cases at lower levels than that, like uh, Jason Love in Boulder, who was arrested as a medical marijuana patient after his neighbor called the cops on him and. um it was very interesting. This sort of was at the beginning of this chain reaction of um, of pop Disneyland taking place out here almost like Oakland. And it, uh, <clears throat> it, what happened was is he left the courthouse with all his product being guarded by police as he returned to his car. And that, at least for that county in that area, set a precedent that allowed for the medical marijuana industry to flourish. Hmm hb1284 now coming in and defining the parameters of dispensaries um, and caregivers and sort of the language is is very hard to understand and there hasn't really been um, a lot of concise analysis for it because it's not actually being enforced yet so we haven't seen how it's going to be used in court
0: and the hb1284 it was a little divisive even within the the medical marijuana community uh, if i remember correctly is that right
7: Yes, absolutely. Uh, even within myself, at one point I was totally in support of the bill and then as things were added to it, obviously I uh, changed my opinion of it because it, it it was creating a scenario when there was no regulation whatsoever where it was easy for the medical marijuana community to look bad because there it, not everybody was being professional about it and there was some irresponsible action that was taking place and that was pretty blatant and um, that really wasn't doing – anything good for the public image of what was taking place. So things that would just um, regulate the system and make it more professional without hurting patients' access, I'm totally in support of policy like that. And that's kind of how HB1284 started, and that that was when the medical marijuana community was divided on it. But obviously, nobody in the medical marijuana community supports banning dispensaries, and that was added in last minute.
0: Uh, and that, that was signed by uh, Governor Ritter? Yes. Uh, And then there was also, um, I don't know if that's all of 1284, but there was also a Senate Bill 109, uh, which was also passed and signed into law. Is that correct?
7: Yes. And I need to um, check in with 109 because I haven't looked at it in a while.
0: I honestly have not either.
7: Um, Um, It has to do with the the patient-doctor relationship and um, parameters um, associated with that
0: cool. Maybe we can get you back on the show another time and um, and look at that.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, totally. And like I said, this stuff isn't in, in play yet, so we haven't really seen what's going to happen. A really interesting development that just hit AP about an hour ago is, um, I don't know if you guys remember several months back when a really silly medical marijuana grower decided to take a news crew into his grow room. <laughs> to, right. uh, to, oh, yeah. um, so he is um, now facing federal charges and, mm-hmm. and is claiming that he was operating fully within state law and is facing up to potentially 60 years in prison. Um, this just hit the AP about an hour ago that, um, that this is going on, despite the fact that the Obama administration had issued that uh, memo through the Department of Justice mm-hmm. that uh, was supposed to guarantee that um, raids wouldn't be taking place on people operating within state law.
1: I was I was reading earlier uh, today, Chris, um, in a story that the Obama administration really hasn't changed their changed the policy at all. What they did is changed how they conduct themselves, and they just stopped re- uh, issuing press uh, statements. And they've they've started keeping things kind of on the DL. But they're still doing it, as we know. In many states, they still have uh, raids, and uh, they're just keeping it kind of on the download. They're not making it a big front page news story anymore. It's a it's a shift in tactics I think.
7: It sh- it should be interesting to see how this plays out because Denver is not an area that's going to tolerate uh that too well because I mean Denver the Denver police voted to move marijuana down to the lowest priority in the city which practically decriminalized it and um it, for that liberal of an environment to be hosting a court case like that is um it's it's really going to um, change the climate a little bit down there. And it's, it's been interesting because since I've been out here for the last six years, um, it's been just a constant upward slope for the medical marijuana community. And we've been pushing and pushing and pushing and succeeding and, and doing well with it. And, um, this is the first real pushback that we're seeing this
2: fall in a while. Hmm. So, Hey man, I got a question. How many, how, how big, how big was that guy's grow? eight eight or ten lights right something like that to be honest the press
7: releases i've read did not um specify plant numbers
2: they didn't because that's what i was what i found when i was trying to look for that story too the only way i could tell was from like looking at the shots that they were showing in the interview you know and the guy was claiming he was going to make four hundred thousand dollars <laughs> on the air and then they they hit him like the next day didn't they it was real quick
7: Oh yeah, it was incredibly quick. And I mean, at the time, most of the people in the marijuana community out here were just saying, "What a fucking idiot!" Yeah. <laughs> you, you take a news uh-huh. to your house to to brag about your grow, and he was kind of flagrant about the the economic aspect of it. And you know, oh, we're gonna make so much money. And yeah, it was it was it wasn't a good commercial at all for um, the community. So, and that but still doesn't deserve the, the type of sentence that he's up against.
2: No, Absolutely. no, not at all. No, not at all. I, I mean, especially in a place where it's such a low-priority crime. So,
7: and there was questionability as to whether or not he was operating within the state law. And like I said, I've never seen anything decisive that said he was or he wasn't.
2: I don't understand that. Why not? I mean, that's part of the story. It uh, hasn't been to said, court. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, we'll hear I guess it's the feds hanging on to all that information nowadays, but um, (laughs) it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. um, Hey, can you smoke in any dispensaries anywhere in Colorado?
7: Hmm. Not to my knowledge. However, (laughs) I would not be surprised. You know, Colorado is fairly libertarian, and um, there are certain communities out here who – uh, do very well at regulating their own areas. And, um, you know, Netherland and Breckenridge have both fully legalized marijuana, um, at least on the municipal level. Mm-hmm. And um, if you get pulled over by a state cop over there, well, you'll get in trouble. But any of the local police aren't going to be uh, prosecuting anyone for marijuana in those places. Well, that's really fun. Cool. Um, yeah. So it's um, that sort of uh, – Towns and communities and cities out here value the the ability to regulate their own laws
2: okay and, awesome. respect so if,
7: and each other's space to it, to a good degree,
2: okay, so you assume then like in certain areas perhaps people smoke when it's cool in their place maybe like when yeah you know, exactly like i don't i'm not, I'm not really sure i haven't been yeah. exposed so but. when you're you know, when you're talking about profet uh wanting professionalism within dispensaries. Uh, what what exact I I've been to to um, both of Harborside's facilities and they're they're very professional. Um, what uh, what do you consider not being professional? What specifically? Uh, like, well,
7: pathogen- one of the one of the most blatant things I saw was a, a a patient ranting and raving about going into a dispensary and watching someone lick a joint and put it right on the shelf, um, and that sort of thing. Like I said with terminally ill patients Is just not acceptable And um, Beyond that if we're going to be doing Food products and edibles there has to be Some sort of um, Way to measure what's going on in there. They have to be tested. You need to know dosages better. It's really – it's not um, – it, it, Harborside and, and some of the nicer clinics where you can get cannabinoid ratios and it, everything is mold tested. All of that needs to be going on and there was just no regulation whatsoever. So there was a huge variance in quality um, depending on which dispensary you would go to and um, like I said, bad press was was coming out of areas where people were – um, not treating the product like medicine.
2: So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, what, are Are you? Uh, I, I would imagine um, you support though the recreational use of marijuana. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and do you would you think that they should keep a once it once it someday becomes legal recreationally in Colorado they should keep two separate systems a medical. System and a recreational system, or do you think it should just blend at that point?
7: Um, I think you know mold testing and um, and and dosage testing should be pretty mandatory. I kind of want to know how much THC is in what I'm getting, um, and I want to know that there's no mold in it. So I would want it to be grown professionally. Still, um, as far as the facility itself is concerned, well, um, yeah, I don't know exactly how you deal with that. I just know it, because at the same time, someone who is terminally ill still has to go to the grocery market to get their food and um, expose themselves to that kind of um, a germ environment. So it really depends. But because it is, as of now, considered a med- medicine by law here in Colorado, it needs to be treated like that. and. It can't be advertised like late-night delivery pizza when we're not at the stage where it's recreationally legal. And that sort of causes all more fear to uprise within the community, whereas I I definitely am about incrementally um, bringing it up to that point rather than um, being very confrontational and just throwing it in their face like that. So at this stage, we're we're only offering – uh, marijuana cards to people in physical pain and that's that's pretty big. <laughs> but it's not being offered for mental uh purposes or anxiety uh related illnesses yet. And um there's just been a lot of variance, like I said in the press between sort of hippie mom and pop shops
15: mm-hmm.
7: coming up and uh the more professional type facilities like harborside style, even though we don't have anything of that quality out here yet.
2: But, you don't you don't have anything like that yet there
7: no not when you can walk in and tell them exactly your ailment and they can match it up to ratios of cannabinoids in the plants and things like that it's it's not it's not that far out yet it's it's kind of a baby you know it's the last year and a half of um of people trying to do this and um in california there's been a lot of companies, I guess, that have organized to be able to fund medical marijuana dispensaries. So it's been kind of a battle for people to find the money to do it and the whole um, bubble effect that happens when everybody tries to get their hands in on it immediately and then falls off. So we're, we're still going through that process. Hmm. Uh, people yeah, are, you know, the activists here are, are referencing uh, the upcoming battles as what California was facing five years ago, uh, pre-Obama. <clears throat> so it's kind yeah, of we, a little it's not as developed yeah. as you guys have we
2: still fight them here though too it's you know it, it kind of flares up and then goes away and los angeles is a big mess here still huge mess and mm-hmm. with that s- specific thing the very unprofessional place you go in and it's just you know that you can tell something <laughs> something sketchy's going on there it happened it, it happens within it um but you know i mean it, it would have helped if if uh if our legislatures would have kind of helped us with this beforehand and saw that it was going to, you know, this was going to come about and give us a clear path how to run these businesses from the beginning, but it's just kind of part of the, the process of the incremental steps were taken towards, uh, you know, an actual like liberated uh, marijuana economy.
0: Yeah. Both, both Colorado and California have suffered from the the vagueness issue. Um, and yeah. legislation has just been so vague and there, you know, all this, all this stuff has to be hashed out in the courts and it's, it's just a big mess. No one knows what's going on. seems like that's the hard way to go about it. The long way, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? it? And some lawyers are doing pretty good off of it. I bet. Right. That, this is why I have hope
2: for, um, I mean, this is what I hope about Pro- prop 19. If it does pass, that they, get to work on regulating it immediately because that's basically what they're supposed to do if it passes so um you know like it, it, this has just been it's been a major it's a major problem up in montana the regulation issue from not having clear-cut of how they're supposed to do things up there and um uh, we're seeing we've seen it in both of these states and um, you know, it's still a political war. I mean, it's legal, but it's gotcha. still gray and so hard to really know what you can and can't do.
7: Totally. And uh, can I ask you guys real quick, uh,
2: Prop Nineteen?
7: If um, if it passes, that also includes the option for uh, counties to be able to individually ban um, yes. legalization, correct? And,
0: and municipi- uh, municip- municipalities as well. Right on. So.
2: Yeah. It gives yeah. a, uh, it it gives the state a um, the ability to to create guidelines that then the the counties and municipalities have to follow. Though, so if they then regulate it and say you can ban it, you will be able to ban it, but you can't ban the the like legal. You will still be able to possess up to an ounce as a as a citizen in a place where they ban the production and sales of it. So it'll be like kentucky you can't buy booze in harrodsburg kentucky but you can go 20 minutes over to another county and buy it right there and then you can possess it in 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 the, the county where you can't purchase it so we could end up with some some areas that that uh t- that do that throughout california it's it's very possible It just is going to depend on how the the legislature regulates it from the beginnings what it looks like to me from my reading of the bill um but uh but yeah, we we have that same sort of potential that you guys are going to be up against um, when these these areas in Colorado start banning dispensaries. It's going to be a major major issue there, and uh, you know more to, more power to everybody that's involved out there, and especially the people that are trying to jump through the hoops that have just been put in front of them. Um, it's part of business, you know. It's what you got to do to uh, to exist in um, in today's you know like political atmosphere you have to pay your taxes and 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 be a part of the system to to uh to run a legitimate business nowadays um you know for the last like eight years in california there's been so many dispensaries that don't that just don't do it right and uh hopefully we're starting to move towards it being done right
1: awesome
0: yep yeah hey um Uh Chris, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your, um, your SSDP chapter there?
7: Sure. Um, well, the chapter we're setting up right now, we're just starting to have uh, talks with student government and figure out exactly what is going on on campus as far as policies are concerned. But some of the potential type of campaigns we might run on campus are – Um, Shaping up dorm eviction policies and dorm privacy policies, trying to equalize penalties for marijuana and alcohol, um, putting in a a medical amnesty policy in place where um, in case of um, an alcohol or drug-related emergency that a student would be able to call for help without um, fearing uh, punishment. Uh, things like that is kind of where we're starting with it. And then as we see what kind of student group we have to work with, because the next few weeks will be sort of the group working itself out and seeing um, setting our strategy for the year, um, we could take that up then on the state level. And we certainly will be participating in protests when we can um, down in Denver or um, wherever uh, that's accessible to us in regards to. The federal court case with the medical marijuana patient and, um, any towns banning dispensaries. Um, and we'll also, we're trying to find kids in the poli side department that would do outreach to local town council members and, um, introducing ourselves to the, the dispensary owners in the area, which I know a lot down in Boulder, but this area has a completely different, um, it's much more conservative, uh, much more religious and, um, it's a It's a whole different vibe <laughs> up here, so we're going to try to outreach to the the town council and the medical marijuana community around here and sort of bring them together. a great idea sensible Colorado is putting out there to activists was to give your town council members tours of uh, medical marijuana facilities and um, <clears throat> so that's kind of where we're going with it. If certain towns in the area do ban dispensaries this fall, there's potential for special elections that can take place where we will gather a certain amount of registers voters' signatures, and um, the town will have to pay for a special election. So that could provide a incentive for them to with uh, to get rid of a ban altogether unless they want to pay the amount of money that it would take to hold a special election, and that if, if we could achieve that amount of signatures in those municipalities, which the percentage varies, um, then we would be able to also... Uh, temporarily overturn the ban while that was taking place. So these are some of some of the action items that could be coming up, and we have a conference at CU Boulder um, in November, and that's in conjunction with MAPS, which you guys are familiar with. MAPS. Oh
1: yeah.
7: Yeah. So um, our keynote is Rick Doblin and mm-hmm. uh, the day before MAPS is holding an event where they'll be um, doing training workshop for uh, MDMA-assisted post-traumatic stress disorder therapy.
0: Mm -hmm. Chris, maybe you can tell our listeners just a little bit about MAPS in case they don't know.
7: Uh, MAPS is Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and they're fundamentally the group that's responsible for reigniting clinical trials on psychedelic substances worldwide. Um, So they've been able to successfully help get uh, FDA clinical trials going on psilocybin and MDMA, which I believe they're entering phase three of the MDMA trials for post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, psilocybin trials are going on at NYU, at John Hopkins, and um, they're, they're just an amazing organization. I, I believe the first LSD study in over 40 years is taking place in Switzerland currently. and um, So they're remarkable when it comes to uh, displaying the medical value and the, the quantitative research associated with psychedelic drugs. And uh, Rick will be speaking, I'm not sure what about, probably about the uh, PTSD uh, therapies with MDMA. And um, then we're also going to have – so this will be at CU Boulder on Friday. Uh, We've invited Representative Jared Polis, Colorado Democrat, to come speak and um, also going to have a harm reduction workshop with people from syringe exchange programs and uh, harm reduction action centers. Um, we're going to have a legalized Colorado workshop, which will be Brian Vicente from um, <clears throat> from Sensible Colorado, Mason Tever from Safer Colorado, and we're trying to get our executive director Aaron Houston out here for that. And
0: yeah, it sounds like yeah. quite the lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why don't you go for some credible people? You? <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you guys are familiar with Aaron, huh?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, Mason, you know he he makes his name is out there all the time.
7: Yeah, they're they're an interesting bunch of people.
0: (laughs) So where where can people go to find out more about that?
7: Um, You can go to ssdp.org and there should be a link to some regional conferences, which we're having five all over the country, different times, um, for each region. So that's going on and MAPS is doing the same thing. They're having uh, regional events. They're in New York this weekend, be in Boulder in November. So this is uh, November 6th if you want to come to the conference and Last little plug on that is Sunday. We are having a SSDP Maps Gala event um, that is taking place at a nice art gallery in downtown Boulder. And Maps will be auctioning off um, lab equipment from the Shulgin Lab. And um, we're going to have live music and uh, food and everything else. So if anybody wants to come to Colorado, (laughs) it's going to be a fun weekend.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it.
1: Awesome. Yeah, we have some listeners in Colorado, so you heard it, you know. Sounds like a great
7: time. I'm jealous that I won't be able to be there. See you Boulder. There's an LA event with Maps, I believe. And definitely a West Coast SSDP conference as well in California. Not sure where though.
0: Or when. <laughs> or when, but
7: <laughs> I actually think it's probably within the next month, so oh, okay, go cool. check out ssdp.org
0: ssdp.org cool well hey uh thanks chris so much for um for uh taking some time to talk with us um is there uh absolutely yeah is there anything else you want to drop on us before before we say bye-bye
7: no no i can't wait to uh see you guys (laughs) yeah (laughs) right on the other two i'd like to see you too
0: thanks chris for sure yeah yeah it's great talking to you thanks chris we'll talk to you soon
1: i got i got another thing to say about chris Besides, thanks for joining us. I got something to say. Let's see if this rings. A bell. Okay.
2: Go. Ding.
15: <laughs> ding. ding.
1: <laughs> yeah, rings the yeah. bell. All right. That's that guy, one of those, I think. Uh, I
0: think,
15: a,
1: think we just wandered upon our our uh, functional stoner. Yeah, that guy day. is a
0: functional stoner for sure. Well, I
2: mean, we we'll be running into Jay later, but we've dinged him several times. So uh, Chris just got. Dinged. That's nice. You got Good the job, ding, Chris. buddy. <laughs> yep, we'll get we'll get an official ding eventually. It'll be an electronic one It'll just ding whenever yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, it just dawned on me. I mean, we've we've cu- we we deal with so many highly motivated, highly intelligent, completely functional stoners that sometimes I have to realize, oh, there's another one. <laughs> He's a prime <laughs> candidate. So
2: yeah, right. I'm it'd be nice if all play. you had to do is like press like the the F one key, <laughs> ding. Anytime That's someone says. Bing, throughout the whole show. Probably drive everybody. <laughs> yeah, we got to do some.
1: My voice doesn't go high enough to ding, so.
2: All right. Yeah, yeah, I'll reach that tone. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, we'll have Chris back on here. He's a really interesting fellow, and uh, we, we appreciate all the, the hard work that yeah. you do, Chris. Thanks for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh,
1: we hope that you can join us some more in the future and you know, keep us updated about Colorado. That seems like a great inside uh, you know, insider for, uh, for our Colorado information. Cause uh, he's certainly embedded and experienced and informed. Yeah. Good
2: deal. Let's move on to some boondoggle.
1: Yeah, that's a good story um, from Paul Ar- Armantano and uh, his, his co uh, it was Mason tovert Paul Armantano and uh, Steve Fox um, from he's from MPP, I believe. And those are the ones that wrote that book, collaborated and wrote that book. Norm Stamper from Leap, we talk about a lot in this program. He uh, he did the foreword for the book, uh, If Marijuana is Safer, Why Are They Driving Me to Drink? Um, I know we've mentioned that book several times, but by all means, please check it out if you haven't yet. It's probably one of the best books I've read about cannabis in uh, the any, any recent future or, or any recent past. Um, but he, he writes this and and I know for sure that this email was from Staley. He said, Hey guys, I just wanted to, I I, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but check this out. Um, and he, and he gave me a link to this and I found some stories about it. Steve Fox wrote about this one in response to it. He said, he entitled this story, right wing think tanks, tanks, marijuana policy paper. And he started off by saying, if you want to read one of the most absurd, And he put it in quotes, policy articles about marijuana in history, go directly to the website of the Heritage Foundation to read legalizing marijuana. Why citizens should just say no. I say quickly because it is because it is truly so absurd. I believe it will be taken down from the site soon. Seriously. And you know what? I checked it out. And he's right. Uh, If this isn't taken down from their site, they have no shame And if it doesn't – and furthermore, I want to just say on a personal note, if they don't take this down and they tout it more and start putting it out there more and more, thank you, Heritage Foundation. Thank you so much for your efforts because you are – this is so ludicrously (laughs) – this is so beyond any absurdity I've ever seen in a paper that's been written of this type that – It it can't do anything but positive for us. I mean, what we're touting to the, the American public right now is, hey, look, take an honest look. You, we trust your personal judgment. You do it on your own. Don't let any of us, us any of the people involved in this discussion tell you what to do you look in your in your own heart and take a look at what's going on and you'll see that they're trying to use fear tactics they're trying to use misinformation and they're trying to manipulate you into uh changing your opinion about this issue so this is the the epitome of a g- grand example of that so check it, it out it's it. at the i just yeah, checked the- it out
2: I checked yeah. it out, dude. I see uh, a, I see a part here that's crazy in it. It says, any resident can grow marijuana for personal use in a plot up to 25 square feet in size. One ounce mm-hmm. of marijuana is enough for 60 to 120 marijuana cigarettes. One plant produces 1 to 5 pounds or 16 to 80 ounces of marijuana yeah. each year. And 25 square feet of land can sustain about 25 marijuana plants. 25 square feet is a 5 by 5 space. You can't fit five one pound plants in a five in a <laughs> five by five foot space, you morons? Oh. Are yeah, you serious? Literally. Come on. Oh yeah. geez. I wish I could have yeah. fit five <laughs> one pound plants in a five <laughs> by five. I do Yeah it. most growers probably
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Wow.
15: That's
1: uh yeah.
7: Yeah.
1: he uh, said it's gonna each plant will produce one to five pounds. Indoors, I guess. I don't know if he's talking about anywhere. I mean, I don't who's gonna get away with you'd have to have some pretty select choice kind of out of the way, pretty much completely hidden property somewhere to grow to grow all that, that cannabis outdoors and not have somebody come and, you know, take their own samples here and there. Um, but he said he said therefore an individual would be able to produce twenty four thousand to two hundred and forty thousand joints legally each year. Can you feel I'm- the
2: Enough. do you feel it's the ludicrous, fear dude. a five by five space is about enough for 1000 watts maybe you, someone would throw some fluorescence around it or do two 600s over a, a five by five space indoors if they pulled five so let's say they pulled five grows a year and they did it at, ma- at, at, at the maximum there they'd pull at like a two pounds per thousand watts they'd only pull about they'd pull like 10 pounds indoors. And if they did one outdoor plant in a five by five space, five by five space is about big enough for one giant outdoor plant. And you could maybe, maybe get a five pound harvest off of that for that. So the, the numbers that they're, they're coming up with here are ridiculous. I mean, they don't, they don't make check, sense out this. check out what he says
1: here in this thing. And I'm sure you would probably refer to him as homie. And I'm down with that this time. This is what homie said. Nearly every culture, and and, and this is is uh, him launching into an alcohol is safer than marijuana public service announcement. (laughs) He said, nearly every culture has its own alcoholic preparations and nearly all have successfully regulated alcohol consumption through cultural norms. The same cannot be said of marijuana. There are several possible explanations for alcohol's unique status. For most people, it is not addictive. It is rarely consumed to the point of intoxication. (laughs) Low-level consumption is consistent with most manual and intellectual tasks. It has several positive health benefits, and it's formed by the fermentation of many common substances and easily metabolized by the body. Alcohol differs from marijuana in several crucial respects. First, marijuana is far more likely to cause addiction. Second, it's usually consumed to the point of intoxication. Third, it has no known general healthful properties, though it may have some palliative effects. (laughs) <laughs>
2: oh wow That's it, it, like it's yeah i think i'm gonna go i think i'm ready to get drunk
0: it's totally <laughs> backwards <laughs>
1: <laughs> wait oh look at this fourth it's toxic and deleterious to health <laughs>
0: <laughs> crazy it's easily
2: metabolized who yeah. likes yeah, this shit while mutating your afraid. cells
1: I couldn't possibly read any more of this to you guys, so you know. Please stop.
2: We've already had like two crazy clips, and now this thing. Whoa! Hey, Uh,
1: yeah. You might want to save this just for like your collection of interesting, you know, absurd articles. Um, Heritage Foundation, um, check them out. It's called "Legalizing Marijuana: Why Citizens Should
0: Just Say No." I I got a better idea.
1: Just say now. Yay! How about it? Just say now. Um, Now they've got. They got some stuff going on in California too, don't they? Just Say Now. Isn't that a
0: big campaign and a website Huge. And Yeah, it's nationwide even. What's uh
2: I haven't I haven't checked that out. What is Just Say
0: oh, Now? Oh yeah, Just Say Now. Or it's this uh I'm what would you call it? I guess it's a federation of uh of people who just want to say now, legalize, mm-hmm. go. Check it out. Just Say Now. It's uh Fire Dog Lake, those bloggers over at Fire Dog Lake.
2: Oh, there it is. Okay.
0: SSDP is involved. involved. I think normal is involved. Well, it was the yeah because it was the Just Say Now conference in in Portland. Just Uh say it right. Yeah, Just Say Now. That's right.
1: Yep. Cool. Yeah. Just just Say Now. Right now, SSDP is in there too.
15: Yes. Mm
2: Good stuff. Uh speaking of being in there, Mark Emery is still in jail. He was just formally sentenced um to five years in federal prison. He's been serving time for a bit longer, so he's already got some time under his belt, but he was formally sentenced uh like last week. We talked about it last week. Um there was a protest around the world in over ninety-three cities around the world just this past Saturday. Um, people protesting, uh, to free Mark Emery, uh, um, happened all over the world. You can go to their website, free Mark, uh, Mark is with a C dot CA and you can check out all the cities and, uh, uh, how many people it looks like the estimates were there. And you can look at clips, uh, from the recent stories, um, dealing with Mark Emery. And, uh, last week, um, you know, we, we've always given Mark his, um, his, uh, Credit for spending um the money that he has made um, with his endeavors on the cause, and uh I kind of was under the assumption that at least you know he was making enough money to to live comfortably on, but we got a clip here where his wife uh Jody is uh talking about um actually uh his actually how things were for him um financially during uh the time leading up to his arrest um apparently uh he he's pretty much put everything into this. Um, You got this one Mm -hmm. queued up, Matt? Got it. Okay, let's hear it.
3: Well, Mark did not get rich. We do not have savings, stocks, bonds. He never owned a car, property, anything at all. Mark Emery is not a material person. Back in 1994, when he started selling seeds, it was because the marijuana movement had no money. It was just a bunch of hippies and enthusiasts, and he said that prohibitionists and the government and the police have billions of dollars to spend, so we need money in this movement. His original goal was to raise that money to put back into the movement, and he promised with every seed sale that he made that the profits would go into the movement so over the ten years he was in business the profits came to about four million dollars after overhead and paying for stock and everything so four million dollars put towards class action lawsuits compassion clubs um, court challenges political parties, rallies, conferences, and all of the drug policy reform activities that he did do, that was the purpose. And when Mark was arrested in 2005, he had $11 in his bank account. We don't have any money saved or put aside because his whole intent by selling the seeds was to fund the movement, which he did very successfully. And the DEA admitted in their press release that he was targeted as the leader of the legalization group and for funding the movement. mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So, um, true soldier for uh, the marijuana revolution. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope, uh, hope things are working out in jail. He's uh, able to find some yeah. some good while he's in prison. Do you? Um, uh, I, what's that? Do
1: you want to hear a couple quick things about what's happening with Mark? Yeah, man. Okay. Well, this seems to be pushing out a, a very human element. Here we're seeing the a uh, very human side of Mark Emery. Not that he was <laughs> not always a human being. He was just so uh so energetic and so focused on what he's doing, we've never really seen his personal or human side you know, to the guy. Um, but uh, Jody said under this stress, he, he gets very emotional when he thinks about being away from his wife so long and kind of breaks down. It's, it's going to be pretty tough for him, but there's some good news too. Jody said her husband was pleased that District Court Judge Ricardo Martinez agreed to a defense recommendation that Emory be transferred to a prison in Canada to serve his sentence. His application for transfer was dropped off at the Canadian consulate, so that will soon be at Federal Public Safety Minister Vic Toe's desk, and he can approve it almost immediately, she said. Uh, Mark will likely be moved to a different institution somewhere in the U.S. in four to six weeks. Uh, He'll still be called the Prince of Pot, but some people have joked about him being the Prince of Prison and things like that. Um, until he is moved to Canada, Emery hopes to serve his time at a minimum security prison in Lompoc, California, but he could also be sent to a jail in Mississippi, Georgia, North Carolina, Texas, or New Mexico. If, uh, if he does get a treaty transfer to Canada, he could be on a day parole as early as next summer and full parole by November 2011, said Jody, his wife. She said her husband will pass the time behind bars, writing an autobiography and working on a Canadian voter's guide to the federal election.
2: Yeah. I've just, uh, downloaded all of his prison podcasts and I'm going to start listening to those and then reading, uh, keeping up with their blog. Um, cause, uh, he, you know, I know she visited him, uh, on Saturdays, got to, got to visit with him on Saturday, um, the <laughs> day that the rallies went down. So, uh, hopefully he can get to get to a better place and get out fast, faster than five years. That'd be the uh, ideal, the ideal. What's happening, mm-hmm. uh, He's up, speaking of, well, he's, he's in SeaTac, right, in Washington, uh, in Seattle. Uh, you got some okay. You actually have some news following up right here from, from that area. Yeah.
15: The owner of a Spokane Valley medical marijuana dispensary could face criminal charges. The Spokane County Sheriff's Office conducted a raid earlier this month on the licensed business called Medmar Dis. Hundreds of marijuana plants were seized in KXOY4's Tanya Dahl live in the Valley tonight. Tanya, medical marijuana is legal, but the law for a lot of people isn't clear.
16: Well, Dave, actually law enforcement, county prosecutors, and these medical marijuana dispensaries can't agree on how much pot can be dispensed under this law. And this latest case here in the Spokane Valley is a good example of all of the confusion. A closed-for-business sign sits in the window of MedMartis.
9: Our detectives, in the course of their business, talked to the owner and and discovered through interviews that he had a lot of marijuana plants and
14: a lot of customers.
16: On September 2nd, the Spokane County Sheriff's Office raided the medical marijuana dispensary owned by John Ellis. They also raided his home. Court documents show that 243 marijuana plants were taken in the raid, along with cash, a digital scale, and customer receipts. Court documents say the 52-year-old cooperated with detectives giving them a tour informing them he supplied 200 customers and averaged 200 to $500 a day in sales. Well,
9: that's how law enforcement, I think, is looking at it. They're, they're saying that um, the people engaged in this type of business, not all of them, but certainly some of them, are using the law to sell marijuana.
16: Detectives say state law allows a person holding a medical marijuana prescription to grow 15 plants for their own use, or a designated caregiver can grow 15 plants for that patient. But not everyone interprets the law this way.
12: On the other
9: side of the of the house are those who say um, you can have as many people patients per se um, as you want,
14: and 15 plants per person.
16: Chris Cambrell injured his back in his 20s and still struggles with back pain in his 40s.
14: I fell on concrete when I was 22 and uh, hurt my, my lower back, a uh, severe sciatic nerve injury.
16: Cambrell was issued a medical marijuana card and was investigated in connection with Spokane's first dispensary. He says his case was thrown out, but believes patients like himself should have a legitimate place to go.
14: The voters of this state decided that, that cannabis was medicine. That's the reason that, that they wrote a law.
16: Detectives have forwarded Ellis' case to the Spokane County Prosecutor's Office for review. He could face criminal charges. Several law enforcement agencies across the state have gone on the record. They're hoping that the courts will actually be able to sort out this law. Reporting live in the Spokane Valley, Tanya Dahl, KXLY4, HD News.
2: More raids. See, like, so now they're like, well, they're, these, they make too much money, so we're going to bust them. You know, <laughs> they do too many sales from what that guy was saying. They average 200 to $500 a day. In sales. It's
0: nothing. So, Jeez, $200,
2: really? at $200 a day. He, they make $73,000 a year and that's not even profit. That's just what he said in sales. Um, $500 a day, uh, is $182,000, uh, $182,500. $182, um, and that's again, before any expenses. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I guess it's just weird to hear them talking about trying to determine how to stop a business from making too much money. The The real thing there is, is, is it legal or not to sell weed in, in Washington? And, and, and I don't know, it kind of seems like it's, it's legal to, right? To sell medical marijuana in Washington? That seems like what's, you know, what's they voted there? for it. Yeah. Right, and and I mean, and they don't just go and shut everyone down and and throw everyone in prison. They just specifically got this guy, and they're trying to make it seem like he's some sort of big timer or something. Uh, <laughs> five hundred dollars a day. <laughs> yeah, like, and uh, two hundred and eighty-three <laughs> plants. Uh, yeah,
0: um, like a small-time restaurant barely makes five hundred dollars a day. I mean, like that's nothing.
2: Yeah. It's,
0: it's really not much um
2: it's uh it's crazy to uh um i mean you know maybe it maybe you know maybe they make more than that and they're just that's you know not being disclosed or whatever but um 200 customers isn't is is not like total patients is not a lot of patients for um mm-hmm. you know not a patient doesn't come in every single day and buy an eight not the way it works they come in once or twice a month probably some people maybe weekly some people less than that even so
0: uh you know it's just not a big time sort of thing there so just kind of bogusness uh, man it is more bogusness for the week i need
1: some i need some pick me up man can we call jay selthoffner
0: sure yeah we we actually
2: we actually uh can called jay we have a we have a wisconsin story we'll do after calling jay still sell so yeah let's uh we'll see if we can get jay on the line awesome cool hello hey is this jay <laughs>
12: yes it
2: is
1: hey jay how you doing it's jamie cass and the guys from uh cannabis agenda
17: hey good
0: how are you guys doing good, good. sir excellent good Good, hey, good, we're just good, checking
1: guys. in to see how things are going. We haven't talked to you for a little while. We said we'd check in. You were so gracious to say anytime, so uh here we
17: are. Oh, well, hey hey. Not a problem at all. We actually just had a, a rather large concert this last weekend, fundraising slash awareness mixer and uh so a little off from of schedule. I got three kids myself. I'm not used to staying up till five in the morning partying with rock stars, so it was kind of uh. uh, a refreshing change recharged my battery to go hard for the next forty five some odd days that we got till November second.
1: Yeah, it's getting it's looming ever closer, isn't it? Is is it going yeah. fast for you or does it seem like yeah, time's well, slowing down?
17: Uh it's zipping by, you know, zipping by. The primary election was uh a wake up call. We had a lot of phone calls. I got a couple of buddies who own some taverns and uh not that they haven't been paying attention but they called they're like, Jay, we've been getting several calls from people. Hey, is today the day are we supposed to vote? So we definitely made a, a dent in the first time voter market, which we wanted to do. Had some mm-hmm. great news uh with the primary election also. Looks like my Republican uh, challenger, her are uh, the the incumbent her challenger took about twenty seven percent of the vote in the primaries, so the newspapers around here reported that it is uh by no means a unanimous choice for this particular district for this particular seat so they're looking for they're looking you know very favorable, speaking very favorable about our campaign and like said, it's actually one that has uh you know the issues that everybody else does have, but it's also got a few solutions along the way, which is sometimes throwing people for a loop. Yeah, that's a twist in politics, isn't it? Kind of, you know, that (laughs) we had to back up a second and kind of tell people, yeah, you know, we're concerned about jobs and about the health care and about our economy and more efficient government i mean those are pretty much things that everybody is concerned about uh what we have here is a few strokes of a pen that we could implement some laws that actually would positively affect all those things that everybody's talking about so um but not a traditional campaign by any means but Uh that's the way we wanted to run it so
1: great hey so uh so how the donations are they trickling in
17: trickling in steadily uh yeah. slow but sure here and there it's amazing because when we get the envelopes and check the paypal on where the donations come from uh mm-hmm. throughout the nation it really is from throughout the nation so oh, uh, we, can al- we can always use more but uh <laughs> it's uh it's nice that the message is heard here and there um, right. we actually picked up uh, the support of a Governor candidate along the way that I met him in the summer when we were first collecting our signatures together He kind of followed my campaign along the way long story short probably 3 4 months ago the guy didn't know what marijuana was uh running on a platform for just uh general change and now is uh very much has opened his eyes and said man you know we need to we need to step it right up here in Wisconsin we're behind the times I actually even had a uh newscast on Wisconsin Public Radio our largest radio network here talking about the marijuana issues so we're starting to get it mainstream we're definitely starting to get it mainstream here
1: yeah yeah the gig is up all the falsities Mm -hmm. and misinformation is getting really thin
17: and everybody is unaware that you can make fuel uh from the hemp plant and that the seed is actually a a food crop that you can make food items from it so those two standing points alone are just uh i mean everybody's talking about it everybody's like did you guys know you can make like a gas from marijuana, you know, that it's just, it's another, another bullet point to get the people talking.
1: Absolutely. If I, if I understand right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I I understand that anything you can make with plastics, uh, petroleum, concrete, wood, wood pulp can all be made uh, with, with uh, cannabis hemp. And uh, not only that, but, but faster and uh, stronger and cheaper. Supercrop. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so
17: no, you're, you hit it. It's a super crop yeah. that uh, food, fuel, fiber, medicines, that uh, the plant is truly amazing. And what we want to do in Wisconsin is tap into the market. You know, I mean, we're hurting That's here something. that we understand that the United States is the only industrialized nation not to grasp the power of this plant. But yet we buy it from everybody else. It just makes sense for us to grow it process it, cultivate it, manufacture it, do the whole works right here in Wisconsin and try to capture as much of that market as we can. Medical marijuana the same way, and it looks like recreational cannabis uh, could be the answer to a multitude of problems. So everybody's thinking about it here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One thing's for certain, it sure is an exciting time for this movement right now. A lot of stuff going on. Very
17: much so.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. much
17: so. And it's coming from all angles. I was going to say, it's coming from all angles. That's the nice thing of it is it's not just, you know, one political party running with Oh, my Uh, gosh.
1: You know, I was just having a conversation today with a a colleague of mine at the university, and I said, you know, it's amazing. Actually, it was a newspaper person doing an article on us, and I said, uh "Uh, it's amazing to me how so many people from so many, I mean, vastly different areas of life, different professional uh, capacities, different types of, uh, different age groups, different uh, mm-hmm. ethnic groups, all over the place. They don't, mm-hmm. normally wouldn't come together on something. Are all coming together in support of this? It's pretty, exactly. pretty uh, encouraging for to, to oh. put it mildly.
17: Oh yeah, and you know that's exactly what we just noticed at our concert. That not only did we have a political event, which is usually, you know. Less attended, if you want to say. We had a cannabis political event uh, that was very well-received in the community um, and, just like you said, drew an audience from all walks of life, and everybody noticed that, and they were kind of like, wow, you know, this is, yeah. this is pretty amazing times, pretty amazing times, so glad to be part of it.
1: Absolutely. Well, AJ, we're not going to keep you on the phone too long. If, if you don't mind, and, you know, it's almost a baited question because we almost can assume that you'll be like, sure, no problem. We were just talking earlier how much of an easygoing guy you are. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we would like to keep, keep, keep checking in with you periodically. Keep, keep up to date on what's going on.
17: Oh, uh, Do so, you know, follow my individual campaign. Uh, hopefully November 3rd it's going to be historic, and then we can cover the movement as Wisconsin moves forward, hopefully with one of the most progressive laws in the nation.
1: Excellent. Well, let me remind people: this is Jay Selthoffner. He's running for the forty-sixth district uh, 41st. Congress. Forty-first. Did I just say there that wrong? Go. Okay. Uh, I don't think so, but forty-first. Good just to make sure. Good. Yeah, forty-first in uh, in Wisconsin, and uh, this is for Congress, right? Uh, the general assembly. State, state assembly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Excellent. And you know we appreciate the 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 um. Donations have been coming in at a, mm-hmm. a, at a slow pace. We want to keep that going on. We encourage everybody, all of our listeners, if you can, take take a minute, uh, send them a four dollars and twenty cents. A little bit more if you can handle it. No problem at all. Um, we can go. You can reach that uh, through our uh, Cannabis Agenda website. There's a link on there. Um, uh, Cogs are on with us. Can you can you point out where that is? Actually? Yeah,
0: sure. It's on our website. It's at cannabisagenda.com. Uh, we'll have a link to Jay Selhoffner's site. And just click
1: right on that? Uh, yeah, it'll be
0: um, right at the top of our uh, uh, our episode uh, for today.
1: Excellent. And I think that's PayPal, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe there's other options?
8: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay.
17: In, any option, basically, through PayPal, regular credit card. Then uh, on my that's site, nice. we also just have treasure address, so you can send check or money order. Uh, Sweet. Cash is fine, too. We actually got an envelope of change the other day, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you
1: know, and I know that I'm this way and I sense I sense you're this way, too. It's not your it's not your number one thing, uh, personal desire to go and ask people for money or to contribute. But what you're doing, it takes courage and it matters and it's important to all of us. I think nationally, really, I don't think that that's glossing this situation at all. I don't know of any other viable candidate in the country right now that's running on a platform such as you. Um, Wisconsin is a big, important state, and uh, I think this could have uh, national ramifications should you win your election based on this platform. And, uh, you know, we've talked to you indefinitely, more in depthly about this in the past. We know that no matter what happens, we're not going to give up. We're going to keep rolling and keep trying and, you know, keep up the, the efforts. But, uh mm-hmm. Yeah, this these donations absolutely help because what is it? It, it? it the whole thing is all about getting your message out and communicating with people and that happens through the media and that's where you hit the big dollar signs and they say, "No, exactly. you're not you're not getting anywhere without some some duckies." So yeah, if anybody's no, got a little they, bit extra change, you know, <laughs> uh, what is it? What is that? A double cheeseburger these days? Maybe a, a you know <laughs> yeah, a, a yep, cup of that, coffee. But-
17: exactly you hit it right on the head it actually could be uh you know historic for the for the really for the national movement and if we look at the situation that i'm in i am in such a Small rural district. Uh, the state assembly is an important job. It is uh, a lawmaking position, uh, but it's really two counties uh, in Wisconsin, roughly 26,000 votes. That I think my uh, the incumbent has generally ran the campaign on 20,000 bucks or so. Majority of that is uh, obviously mailings and those types of things. From what we had seen, you know the postage and the cost of producing those. So we feel that if we can raise somewhere around that ten thousand dollar mark that not only would be would we be competitive um but we could seize the seat very easily with uh, with the amount of media that we've already got uh through the legwork that you know that uh, our our campaign and the friends of of our campaign have done so it's not without the realm of possibility to to really um you know tip the scales in our favor so
1: Absolutely. Well, it looks promising. And uh, as I say, thanks so much for talking to us again. We'll we'll certainly be checking in periodically, keeping up with what's going on. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Keep up the great work.
17: Hey, thanks again. I appreciate it. Take care. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely. You too. We'll we'll talk to you. Thanks again, guys. Take
1: care. Thanks,
0: Jay.
17: Okay.
1: See you, Jay. Bye bye. If we have any listeners out there in Wisconsin, in the 41st district of Wisconsin, I have one thing to say to you. Vote smart. Vote Jay Selthoffner. Did you just make that up? (laughs) That's my campaign. That's my campaign slogan that I've been running on for like four years. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Except except it it says vote smart, vote Jamie Casanova. Actually, it's just vote smart, vote Casanova. And that's it. But it's worked so far. That's uh, I've, I've never lost yet. So, so far, so good.
2: Uh, all right. Thanks. That that was, it was always great talking with Jay. He's still at it, man. That's good. I'm glad that, uh, he's still, uh, still going out there.
1: He's giving his best. He's got, he's got both of his best feet forward. (laughs) It sounds like, so that's cool, man. It's always fun to talk to him in it.
2: Yeah, it always is. Um, I actually found a story. I was uh, trying to look into some Wisconsin stuff, um, and I found a story uh, about a pretty large, uh, what they're calling a mega farm um, that was uh, just cut down to about five weeks ago in uh, northern Wisconsin's Let me see if I can do this. Chiquamegan, Nicolette National Forest. And it is uh, the law enforcement there is not saying this, but the media is saying it is very the style very much matches a Mexican cartel style. Um, They had plots all over the forest there. Um, Someone was out in the woods and, and witnessed them preparing a plot and then notified, uh, law enforcement. And then law enforcement surveilled the area for a while, followed these people back and forth, uh, while they were going to stores buying, uh, um, uh, grow, uh, you know, fertilizers. They watched them go fertilized. They saw them go in and buy ammunition, uh, nine miller, nine millimeter ammunition and, uh, they then uh tailed them to a house i believe in um green bay um and actually it's in seymour which is 15 minutes southwest of green bay where they found uh, what they're calling a processing factory um but it was they captured like 72 pounds in dried manicured herb in a Storage bin or something, and a decent grip of cash, um, and they believe that they may have cut down as many as fifty thousand plants. But at the at the time the story was released, they'd only physically counted ten thousand. Um, wow. But uh, this is probably um, a really big grow for uh, Wisconsin. California has uh, grows uh, much bigger than this cut down. Sometimes uh, we, we have these sorts of things going on in our national and state forests as well. Uh, And they do destroy a lot of habitat and leave a lot of uh, waste behind in these processes. Um, And they are heavily guarded. uh, And there is, uh, we never know who's actually out there. Um, A lot of violence occurs in Mexico uh, due to all these sorts of arrangements. Um, And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a sign of the drug war. It's something that's going on uh, up in your area now. Um, And it'll probably just increase in, um, occurrences, um, in the future until, uh, we end, uh, marijuana prohibition, but, um, yep, it's going on up there. 50,000 plant grow, um, uh, for, for that area is a pretty substantial, um, grow. Uh, and, uh, just, uh, I was wondering if any of you guys have uh, heard anything about this out in Wisconsin, what you think of it, uh, shoot us an email info or uh, give us a call 707-654-CAN. Um, let us know what you think. Well, wow. uh, interesting to hear and they found they found they found ak-47 and they found a bunch of a grip of guns and um <laughs> you know you know so they just go into was...
1: the store and say i oh, would like a lot of gross stuff and some guns
2: thank you <laughs> no no they followed them around for quite a while and uh and you know witness them purchasing ammunition and purchasing stuff at different different times and different places, uh-huh. and witness them doing different things out on these- they're out on like old abandoned logging trails and stuff is where they were doing it out in the middle of a huge national forest like eight hundred and sixty thousand acres or something like that so um hmm. you know did i
1: did i uh did I hear you correctly a moment ago did you say Mexican drug cartel and manicured cannabis in the same well, sentence?
2: Well, they didn't. Okay, so I don't know how manicured it was, um, but, uh, you know, um, it was packed, the, how they put it was, it was packaged for sale in pounds. Uh, yeah, which would really, really equate to like
1: sm- seed-ridden, smashed g- chunk of, yeah, I got you. Good, okay. <laughs> That's the image I always had for Mexican cartel weed. So that's cool. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, jackasses of the week um, for, you know, screwing up our national forest and causing us a lot of headache in the process. Thank God my relatives or somebody wasn't taking a hike or, you know, our friend Jay's relatives. He lives in in northern uh, Wisconsin. And, you know, thank God somebody wasn't just taking in the nature and enjoying their their walk, you know, and, and happened upon these jackasses with their AK-47. So at least uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want people to get arrested for cannabis use, but sometimes when they're actually thugs, you know, it's almost it's almost good news. In my opinion.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's these. This is just going to keep on happening until the drug policies in the U.S. and in, in Mexico and in Canada, for instance, change, and we. Uh, yep. Yeah, you know, we change our policies, and it's not. It's some point when it's not. You know, economically viable for someone to go and, and be in the middle of nowhere for six months and grow pot and protect it with guns. It won't happen anymore. And um, until then, we'll continue dealing with this kind of BS.
1: Yeah. Unfortunate.
2: It's an unfortunate fact.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, we definitely need some positive uh, information now or some kind of a story to lift us up. And I think this one will, will, will mostly do the trick. Uh, we'll go down to Arizona, where the Arizona medical marijuana question has arisen again, this time in the form of Proposition 203-2010. And uh, it's back on the ballot. Marijuana Policy Project um, was crucial in getting this passed. Actually, there's a, a local, uh, I don't know, extension or kind of branch off of Marijuana Policy Project called Arizona Medical Marijuana Policy Project. And they're they listed as the main sponsor of the measure. Um, you can go to Ballotpedia, I think we'll have that link on our site as well, and check out the details, it's kind of a wiki site, that it, it, it lists the text of the measure, the short title, summary of the initiative, it has a federal memorandum in there, all the support arguments and supporters and all of these things from the positive, it also has opponents and arguments and their campaigning and events for the opposition as well, so you can get a full picture of what's happening with this. Um, it looks positive, I think, uh, if you if you recall, if you think back, Arizona has passed medical marijuana legislation twice and uh, both times it was on a uh, canceled out it, it never was implemented it was it was uh, canceled on a technical on technicalities and uh, one of them was because it said prescription which i know you're uh you've been talking about uh, uh multiple times on our show about the the problem with people getting it wrong and misstating uh, marijuana recommendation as a prescription, and this time Proposition 203 has the language corrected. So that's one of the okay. only problems that really was in there. That was that was why the whole thing got you know uh, quashed because of the technicality. So they they fixed all that stuff. So hopefully, and they've they've went in and, and changed the updated language a little bit to make everything uh, a little bit better. So hopefully this is gonna it's gonna go through. It looks very positive. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't happen because they passed it twice already. <laughs> you know. And now that the language is improved and a little bit more clear, then um, it's probably likely that on November second, um, this will be will uh, be a go ahead, and they'll join the other 14 states and the District of Columbia. That's good news. All right. Uh,
2: yeah. The, yeah. Sorry, I'm a little distra- <laughs> I'm a little distracted here. Uh, girls Gone Weed. Slightly distracted by this. Have you guys seen this yet? Oh no. No.
1: Girls Gone yeah. Weed.
2: Girls Gone Weed. Yep. www.ggdub.com. It? It's Girls Gone Weed, man. It's a, it's a kind of a, a community of the next, it's like the next pot models. <laughs> um, pot models? Very, yeah. Very sexy ladies that are photographing with buds smoking weed Bong yeah. weed, <laughs> And, um, yeah, dude. Um, I'm, uh, checking out this girl, Marissa Jane right now. She's their spiritual advisor, man. She is hot. Um, <laughs> I, cho- I joined this, uh, I joined their community, um, and I put a, a welcome post up there and, and plugged us and it got removed. And so I need to email Miss Fiona Jane to find out why I got, I think I improperly pr- plugged our product. I need to figure out what their, uh, so you spammer, uh, it wasn't spam it really wasn't it was more of a wow what's better <laughs> than weed and women come on beautiful women and weed this is great i think this is awesome <laughs> i think this is a beautiful form of art and um would love yeah. to talk to some of these girls that do this and uh i'm gonna <laughs> make attempts but yeah they i i i flipped to it every once in a while and they just kind of caught me uh zoning out there on, 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 <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh the girl's gone weed <laughs> okay, i'm gonna close that now so we can get back to the show but uh yeah check it out uh, ggdub.com um, uh, so, let us know let us know what you think guys and, and ladies for that matter um about uh uh marijuana and, and women modeling as a as a form of art i think it's awesome
12: yeah Seriously, absolutely awesome.
2: yeah um so where well, are we going from here where where are we going
1: We're going to Michigan. Let's go up to Michigan. Michigan. All right. Yes. Where legal pot applications have swamped their state. State health officials are overwhelmed with applicants seeking to use marijuana legally for medical conditions, a state official said Tuesday. The Michigan Department of Community Health received 56,513 applications for its registry of authorized users in the past 19 months, including new applications and renewals. It has a policy to approve or deny applications in 15 days. And uh, the director of the Bureau of Health Professions said, we're not we're not doing that, said Melanie Brim. Uh, she discussed the problem at the Michigan Municipal League's annual convention at the Hyatt Regency in Dearborn. He, she was one of the three speakers at a discussion titled "Medical Marijuana Act and Your Community." So they're uh, they're trying to piece it together. You know the vague the vagarities that we speak about. It's in the Michigan law too. Communities across this state of Michigan have created ordinances to help address the vague parts of the law and to regulate or ban uh, dispensaries. Um, at their discretion. Um, last month, three businesses and 12 homes of medical marijuana distributors were raided in Oakland County. And uh, last week in Auburn Hills, a man was arrested on charges of having over only a four-foot chain-link fence around his marijuana plants. And the, their state law requires that the plants be in a secured and locked area. So I guess access, you know, was their big fear there. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, some vagaries in a lot of areas. So we'll see. Uh, see how they... They correct these things as they go along. We'll keep you informed for sure. Oh
2: man. Yeah. Um, I got a, I got a story here. We got to cover. It looks like it kind of got deleted. We mentioned it at the beginning. This is a crazy story from Montana. um, And I am not going to strike this one. This one's got to go on here. This is a a crazy story. Um, The family, uh, this, this kid, um, 21 year old kid, uh, his name was Colton Peterson. Um mm-hmm. was arrested for growing marijuana. He did have a, a caretaker's card. Um they in here they said he had a minimal amount of plants really, or like it's so many more than what he was supposed to have, but it looks like he had like thirty plants at the most or something like that. And um he was twenty one. Um he would gotten it he'd been getting into some trouble lately. His parents were worried about his psychological well being. Um, mm-hmm. suicide is a huge cause of death in montana it's one of the the uh it has one of the highest rates of uh, suicide amongst um uh youth ages 10 to 24 in the nation um mm-hmm. and uh this kid um was arrested on uh july 26th he was brought in his parent the parents made the police know that um he uh had, that they believed he had some psychological issues and that they needed to deal with that. The cops can t- continue to interrogate him. They said they had someone come in to do some sort of psyche vow, but then they wanted him to give them the names of other growers by 5 PM the next day. And they stay, and they basically were trying to turn him into an informant, um, over this minor marijuana, uh, sort of deal. And, um, this kid, uh, met with the cop the next day at one and then didn't then was like with one of his girlfriends or something. And then they found him. He didn't even make it till the deadline. He shot himself at like three thirty in the afternoon. Oh man. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, a really sad story for Montana. We get, we've been getting a lot of the crazy stories from Montana, uh, over the time we've been doing this show. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems, it seems insensitive to uh put i mean obviously the parents were trying to tell the police that they needed to worry about their, this kid's well-being they didn't take it serious in my opinion they did not take it serious enough then to pressure someone to be an informant and give them only a day to decide on it it's just you know put that kid in a in a really bad spot who knows how he was feeling obviously he was feeling like he was so bad he didn't want to live anymore and he took his own own life, and I feel for I feel for um, all of his friends and his family, and um, I hope that uh, we can um, start educating police officers in Montana a little bit better about the relative uh, uh, harm, uh lack of harm that marijuana actually has on people, and um, not put people into these sorts of situations. they they are bunch bunch this kid in with you know uh, some crazy sort of drug cartel sort of thing informant sort of thing come on just 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 put him through the court system if if that's what you're going to do and and deal with the psychological issues and um i i i i I really don't know how this is going to shake out but we're going to follow up on it and see how it goes uh because the parents um insist that they were trying to tell the police that this was a bad bad situation and um it's just kind of a crazy story that i just really couldn't Skip that is skip and, you know a tragic so. story, super tragic um Ugh. super tragic, yeah, so um but uh hopefully uh hopefully his family can heal um we got a uh somewhat more positive note to 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 in this in this show here, don't we
1: are we that far already? yeah, this is a great one, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show that uh this is uh uh, uh a listener sent in an email his name is Jesse and he said hey check this out this is pretty uh pretty interesting stuff here so i did and uh this is a uh on a site called Marijuana Blogs and Research. It's actually a blog, and I really wouldn't typically uh, accentuate something like a blog because it's so subjective in nature typically, but this one is really good. And I want to thank Jesse for sending this and pointing this out to us. Um, this, this story, it, it, it's called Top 10 Cannabis Studies the Government Wished It Had Never Funded, which is a fantastic name for a, for a, for a, a feature. But uh, within these, it lists them, one through ten. Well, actually, you know, in the opposite order. But on e- at the end of each one of them, it gives detailed uh, list of where this is published. Like uh, number 10, for example, marijuana use has no effect on mortality. And he said uh, a massive, it says a massive study of California HMO members funded by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, NIDA, which interestingly enough, a huge portion of these top 10 w- studies was financed by by NIDA. Um, much to their chagrin, I'm sure. So thank you, NIDA, anyway. But uh, the NIDA found marijuana use caused no significant increase in mortality. Tobacco use was associated with increased risk of death. And then, for example, it says, Sydney S. Atal, Marijuana Use and Mortality, American Journal of Public Health, Volume 87, Number 4, April 90, 1997, page 585-590, to 590, September 2002. So that's a complete reference to each one of these. And each one of these has it. And I'll just overview, as I said earlier, we'll have this posted up on the site for you to go check out more in depthly. But uh, I'll just skim right through them. Uh, number nine is heavy marijuana use as a young adult won't ruin your life. Veteran affairs scientists looked at whether heavy marijuana use as a young adult caused long-term problems later. And they studied identical, identical twins in which one twin had been a heavy marijuana user for a year or longer, but had stopped at least one month before the study, while the second twin had used marijuana no more than five times ever. I don't know uh, how they found these twins to do all this study. I have no idea. It's kind of uh, baffling to me. They should have done a study on how the hell they pulled that off. But uh, they 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 found that uh, marijuana use had no significant impact on physical or mental health care utilization, health-related quality of life, or current socio-demographic uh, characteristics and uh, it lists, it lists about um, uh, where, where you can find this study as well. The gateway effect may be a mirage. That was a big one. They talk about um, that was more all McCaffrey D and paddock S um, called research reassessing marijuana gateway effect. It's an addiction magazine from December two Oh two. Number seven prohibition doesn't work. Part one, <laughs> the white house had the national research council examine the data Being gathered about drug use and the effects of U.S. drug policies, NRC concluded, quote, the nation possesses little information about the effectiveness of current drug policy, especially of drug law enforcement. (laughs) And, And what data exists show, quote, little apparent relationship between severity of sanctions prescribed for drug use and prevalence or frequency of use which is exactly the whole reason they're enforcing the laws in the first place supposedly. And this is National Research Council. I mean all of these things are from credible, well, supposedly really credible sources. Here's another one from NIDA. It's titled Prohibition Doesn't Work Part 2. Um, does prohibition cause the gateway effect and 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 it's a story about NIDA that's in it from from NIDA that was financed by And some of these NIDA ones they're 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 extra significant because they involve like 60,000 people over a like 10 year period. You know, I mean, these are very serious, full research studies. Um, number three, for example, is uh, marijuana may prevent cancer part three. Researchers at the Kaiser Permanente HMO, funded by NIDA, again followed 65,000 patients for nearly a decade, comparing cancer rates among non-smokers, tobacco smokers, and marijuana smokers. I can almost hear the sound of a slap when I read this, because I know somebody at NIDA got a big-ass slap when they got the results of this one. It says uh, tobacco smokers had massively higher rates of lung cancer and other cancers. Marijuana smokers who didn't also use tobacco had no increase. In risk of tobacco related cancers or of cancer risk overall. In fact, their rates of lung and most other cancers were slightly lower than non smokers, though the difference did not reach the statistical significance. And this is a listed source as well. Number two, marijuana may prevent cancer, part four. That's the Donald Tashkin study that I've referred to several times on the show. He's a UCLA, UCLA uh, researcher whose work is was funded by NIDA as well. I know somebody got a kick in the crotch on this one. This was a real bad deal for them guys over there at NIDA. And once again, I have to reiterate, thank you so much, NIDA, for all your goofball mistakes and doing the wrong research to get the right results because we sure do appreciate it. And it's helping the truth. It's not helping our movement or us per se. It's helping the truth. And it's helping all of us as a society as a result. So thanks for doing that and spending all our tax money. Um, but this is the Donald Taskin uh, study where he did uh, lung, head, and neck cancers. He compared 1,200 patients. And uh, this is the one where he found even the heaviest marijuana smokers had no increased risk of cancer and had somewhat lower cancer risk than non-smokers. And That's crazy. Said, yeah, Jeez. tobacco Tobacco smokers had a 20-fold increased lung cancer risk. He, uh, so, so that one's available there. And the number one, I'll cover this one real quick. Marijuana does have medical value. Who knew? In response to passage of California's medical marijuana law, the White House had the Institute of Medicine review the data on marijuana's medical uh, benefits and risk. If you can recall that IOM study. Um, The IOM concluded, quote, Nausea, appetite loss, pain, and anxiety are all afflictions of wasting, and all can be mitigated by marijuana. While noting potential risk of smoking, the report added, We acknowledge that there is no clear alternative for people suffering from chronic conditions that might be relieved by smoking marijuana, such as pain or AIDS wasting. The government's refusal to acknowledge this finding caused co-author John A. Benson to tell the New York Times that the government, quote, loves to ignore our report. They would rather it never happened. And you better believe that's right; they wish this would just go under the bed and hide somewhere, never show its truthful face again so this is a great this is a great article. Top ten cannabis studies the government wished had never funded, and boy they're just just in ugh. I know they're grinding their teeth. If they if they could hear me talking about this, they'd probably. But, but we should
2: listen to the science, man. The science. science. They need to, to check science. the data and listen to the science. And and it, uh-huh. everyone knows that it's harmful because the experts say so. <laughs> yep,
1: yep. So yeah. you know, there's there's some good studies, and the and the big part about this you know, is that each one of these in this list has the actual research so you can search it and find the actual article. If you ever want to present information like this, this is handy and it's interesting and informative to get this kind of a blog thing. But if you want to use this information um, effectively and, and you know, for positive gain, you got to make sure you get the original source material and it's all listed right in there for you. So a little bit of legwork and you'll be good to go armed with some serious studies by the prohibitionist's own credible sources,
0: <laughs> as it is. Right on. Well, yeah. Thanks, thanks to Jesse for that uh, that link. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, bef- before we go any farther, I got to ask you:
1: Is it true? Are the rumors true? Are are are, are we going to get Chomsky for the rollout today?
0: <laughs> I think it's true. Oh man, you, you really know, you, yeah, you know about it. Why don't you tell us about it, Jamie? Noam Chomsky. Is
1: that the clip that I've referred to on the show before? I think so. Oh, I hope it is. Oh, I hope it is. I hope it is. I know we will probably include the same information because it's the same guy talking about the same subject. So it's going to be great. Noam Chomsky. He's a uh, um, linguist. He's a professor from MIT. So he's he's uh, a little bit uh, intelligent, to say the least. But uh, he's uh, he spoke a lot about human rights issues, a lot of different things, social uh topics but uh he he spoke a little bit about marijuana it's a short clip if i recall right but he's talking about a little just a little bit of the history and it's so interesting to hear i think he's talking about where they uh they actually brought in the de facto uh, criminalization of cannabis and how they stacked the deck and they had their whole pre-planned agenda to roll through there and you know get their you know their laws passed and uh The guy that the credible witness, their professional witness, uh, the doctor that did the extensive test on marijuana, he did it all on dogs. So if if that's the right one, I'll leave the rest for Gnome to handle. But, you know, it's pretty interesting. I'm excited about hearing this. So thanks for putting that on there for everybody. I think everybody's going to like it.
2: Wow. All right. So we're pretty much done. Um, we're going to start, uh, uh we're going to we got one question for our listeners out there. Jamie, you got to know what the question's going to be. What's the question for our listeners? You yeah. Know well, about? it occurred
1: to, you know, it occurred to me in route to this point in the show, uh, you were talking about your new favorite website with all those little pot honeys on it. And, uh, I just wanted to ask our listeners, what do you think about that? Um, fully clothed, willing, uh, beauties with, with cannabis, is that uh, just crude exploitation or pure bliss? Somewhere in between? Uh, Let us know what you think.
2: Yeah, I'll think real hard about it over the, we next, know, uh, <laughs> we, the next week. We know what you yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Everybody, check out our website, CannabisAgenda.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about babes and buds. Info dot CannabisAgenda.com. Call us up, 707 654 can c-a-n-n hit up our twitter and facebook accounts subscribe to us on itunes so it can be updated in your itunes automatically when shows are available please rate us on itunes as well we appreciate y'all listening hope everything's good in your world peace Um. and pot yeah take care hey stick
1: around for the rollout chomsky chomsky Chomsky. aha noam chomsky see you later
0: To the Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market related information. You can follow online with us
16: at cannabisagenda.com.
9: There has never been a medical reason for criminalizing marijuana. I, I I've looked through the history of this. If you're interested, I don't know if you want me to run through it, but it's an interesting history. Uh, marijuana, marijuana was criminalized. See, very commonly, uh, substances are criminalized because they're associated with what were called the which that are called the dangerous classes. You know, poor people, or working people. So, for example, in England in the nineteenth century. Uh, there was a period when gin was criminalized and whiskey wasn't because gin is what poor people drink. That's kind of like the sentencing for crack and powder. You know? uh, when In the early stages of prohibition in the United States, uh, one of the targets was immigrant, immigrant workers. You know, these guys hanging around the saloons in New York, got to go after them. Um, the rich guys in upstate New York, they're going to drink no matter what, you know. They want to come home after work, they'll drink. But go after those guys. What about marijuana? And marijuana was brought in by Mexicans. uh, And the first criminalization of marijuana was in the Southwest, in the States. It was in uh, New Mexico, later Utah, and so on. And it was specifically targeted against Mexicans. Uh, It didn't get criminalized in the United States until shortly after Prohibition ended. (coughs) After Prohibition ended, we had this huge Bureau of Narcotics, and they had to do something. Uh, so they discovered, you know, that marijuana is going to do all kind of horrible things to you. The Senate testimony about this is mind-boggling. Uh, there was, the, there was they did have a, a representative of the American Medical Association who said we don't have any medical evidence about him, about this. He was shut up, denounced, you know, rid of him right away. Uh, then they found somebody else. This, this is literally true. They found a pharmacologist, a guy teaching at Temple University, uh, who was using, who was doing experiments with marijuana and dogs and they brought this guy in the test, the testimony is hilarious, you know, I really have to read it, they brought this guy and he testified that when he gave marijuana to dogs they went insane, you know, they did all kind of things, Uh, and then the, uh, some senator or somebody asked him, this is from memories, it was probably a little off, but something like this, I was in the 30s. They asked the guy, well, have you ever tried marijuana on humans? So he said, yeah, he tried it on himself. And he said, well, what happened? He said, I turned into a vulture. I started flying around the room. You know. <laughs> so they uh, said, so, oh, <laughs> my God, this stuff is terrible. It makes people insane. And uh, marijuana, it was declared by Congress that marijuana makes people insane. But then something happened. It turned out that lawyers, defense lawyers, got the idea, okay, I can use this for an insanity defense. So if a guy was found you know, who killed three cops, uh, his lawyer would say, well, you know, he had, a, he had marijuana before, so he was insane, so he can't do anything. And people were getting off on uh, charges, you know, like cop killing, for example, uh, on, the, on the claim that they had marijuana. So all of a sudden it was discovered that marijuana doesn't make you insane. Congress decided, sorry, it doesn't make you insane because we want to wipe that out. Uh, the next idea was marijuana is an entry drug. It's the drug you take and then you go on to something else. Well, there was never any evidence for that. But that was decided. And then in the early 50s, something else happened. Marijuana is being brought in here by red Chinese to poison the American population and destroy us, you know. So therefore, we've got to stop marijuana. And it kind of goes on like this. Actually, the peak of marijuana use was, as I said, in the 70s. But that was rich kids, so you don't throw them in jail. And then it got seriously criminalized. You know, you, you really throw people in jail for it when it was poor people. I mean, that's roughly the history. The detailed history is quite interesting.